senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 98, and uh, we've got got kind of a cool one for yeah. you. Um, also, a certain amount of deja vu. <laughs> uh, going back almost exactly one year, uh, I'll paint the picture for you. Uh, it was, we talked to two guys who were literally a few days away from publishing their first in-print comic in comic book stores through Diamond and through a publisher uh, just on the verge of their first book, uh, as a podcast, we had graduated very recently from a portable mixer, <laughs> um, and handheld microphones to barely having the equipment to be able to record somebody remotely on Skype. Yes. Uh, it was our first interview. It was our first remote guest. I think I resolved the last of the technical issues to be able to talk to somebody probably 15 minutes before <laughs> we were supposed to interview these guys. Yeah, it was a case. It was kind of almost firsts for everybody, and it wound up being a really fun discussion. Yeah, uh, and we kind of thought that was the end of it. It's like, all right, these you know, these are good guys. It's a fun book they're doing, but you know, uh, I'm not sure when we'll have occasion to talk to them again. And you know, the new year came, and we got an email from Nick Marino, the the writer of Holy Fuck, and now uh, Holy Fucked, the the sequel, saying, "Oh yeah, the uh, by the way, the." Trade paperback edition of the sequel, Holy Fucked, is coming out next week, and we had a lot of fun talking to you. We'd love to do it again sometime. And Amanda and I realized, you know something? Number one, we're better equipped to actually talk to people now. We are. Number two, after months and months of looking for a house and packing and moving and moving in (laughs) and renovating it, uh, you know, it would be a nice way to start the new year, a fun conversation with a couple of fun Fun and funny guys and interesting guys. Yes. You know, about their latest project. So yeah, it's a uh, earlier today. We had a much longer than we originally anticipated <laughs> conversation. That's because they're so cool. Yeah. With, uh, Nick and Daniel Arudamasa, the, uh, the artist on Holy Fuck and Holy Fucked. <laughs> I love the fact that those are the names of the books. Yes. Just, oh, uh, I was all right writing Holy Fuck. <laughs> Remarkably more complicated than the first time I wrote it in junior high school on a desk. I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a wide ranging conversation because in the year that we talked to them, not only was the book published, but they had the sequel, so they got a certain amount of juice in their career. And yeah, they both attended San Diego Comic Con, and you and I are for not. the first time we didn't get to go. Yeah, so we were gonna buy them beers, we're gonna <laughs> get them loaded, take them out in the town. <laughs> <laughs> drop them off in the fucking naval barracks. <laughs> but All right, you you gave that plan far more thought than I did. It's it's not a good plan. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> but yeah, it's and in my head it was oh you got to go to San Diego as professionals. That must be like hitting the lottery. Playing Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and it turns out they had a much different opinion than I would have thought, mm. but makes total sense yep. when they're talking about it. So yeah, it's just sort of a wide-ranging conversation of what it's like to sort of be moving upward in your career and certain things that happen and you don't necessarily expect them to from that to yeah it turns out one of the pages in the sequel for holy fuck 
Uh, may possibly have been inspired by our conversation on that very podcast. Yes, either either we were the inspiration, or depending on your point of view, it was our fault. (laughs) Um, I guess it depends on your particular religion and how... We've never been considered good influences on anyone. Yeah, we we do terrible things. We're those friends. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty wide-ranging conversation about just being a a comics pro and moving up from webcomics and... Yeah, everything from that to what it's like to do comedy in the in the attic of a Chinese restaurant. It's not really an attic. Well, I, that that's a different comedy yeah. show. <laughs> All right, fine. The second floor complex of an industrialized Chinese restaurant <laughs> in a strange part of Greater Boston, north of Boston. Yeah, I, yeah. Anything else remarkable about the conversation to you before we just dive right into it? Um, apparently, one of one of the artists' uh, girlfriends, the the artist's girlfriend, can make uh, potato chips. I can't make potato chips. Well, that's only because you're afraid of fire and, and hot oil. Yeah, I got that going for me. These are problems when attempting <laughs> to fry a chip. True. Or a crisp. <laughs> uh, we've also learned Daniel has the best English accent out of all of us. Yeah. We've learned that out of all of us, none of us can do an effective Boston accent, including those of us who live here. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, we've, <laughs> uh, we, we've learned... Uh, that uh, Nick likes Aquaman a little too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that apparently you would make an excellent Aquaman cosplayer. Actually, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> honestly, we, we had a little tangent. Uh, we, we normally don't do much editing on this show. We had a little five-minute tangent that went a little <laughs> off the rails that uh, I, I pulled out of it because it's funny to us, but we had video, <laughs> which you will not. Yeah. But... <laughs> All right, so yeah, why don't we get uh, right into it? It's our our second interview, uh, much more competent on on our end anyway. Um, Our second interview with them. We have done other interviews. Well, yes, our our second interview with uh, Nick Marino and Daniel Arudamasa, uh, writers and artists of Holy Fuck and Holy Fucked from Action Lab uh, Danger Zone Studios. Let's talk about a few comic books, goddammit. So, I think we should. So, yes. Tacos. Once again, we've got back <laughs> comic books and tacos. With At this point, I don't know. Can we call you friends of the show? This is your second time on. Are we call friends? us Cacos. Cacos? Cacos of the show. Cacos. <laughs> yep, we're here. We're very podcast, baby. Uh, broadcasting Good professional, stuff. you can tell by his diction, uh, Nick Marino. Uh, and Diction. <laughs> and we also have Daniel Arudamasa, the uh, What's the, up? the writer and artist, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> what's up? writer and artist, co-creators of the. Uh, Thank I don't, you. Yes. I don't know what's the overall title. We've got Holy Fuck and Holy Fucked. Is it just the? What do you prefer? Um, what if we split the difference? We'll just do the E and be Holy Fuke. Holy Fuke. <laughs> <laughs> or Holy Fuck it. <laughs> holy fucker holy fucker fouquet yeah, <laughs> sounds french sounds good i don't know the the fuck duology the double fuck it's that's a, a different thing entirely yeah oh the double fuck <laughs> none more fucked none more fucked. Oh, oh that's good <laughs> oh, yeah I, I think we got a title for the third series <laughs> anyway but uh yes the first the first series is holy fuck which was just beginning to come mm. out we talked almost exactly a year ago um, and I had quite a good time, I want to say. Oh, so did we. It was so a, did I. Uh, us too. We, we had a blast, so it's good to have you back yes. on. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it was I, almost almost I, exactly I, a year I, ago. I love it. 
How's that taco? If you didn't bring enough taco (laughs) to share. It's just okay. But yeah, it was almost exactly a year ago. The first issue, the first two issues of Holy Fuck, the first series, were out on Comixology. The first issue was about to come out to print. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, since just in that year, you guys got greenlit for the sequel almost immediately like within about a month i yes. think i started reading online yeah um, yes. yeah no, so now the the sequel uh, is done the the trade paperback Complete. edition for that is coming out this coming wednesday you guys have done a bunch of conventions <laughs> including you were both at san diego comic-con this year um and if i remember supposedly, you, <laughs> supposedly that's the rumor I, <laughs> I think i saw a picture i think you guys were also at least on one panel there too is that right i think at least supposedly. i saw a supposedly supposedly okay there, there appears to be I photographic might have some people. <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll talk about the photo the guy that was in a movie once <laughs> Ooh. i'm going to talk about photobombing in a minute because i do have a question about one picture i found on tumblr but uh so, so <laughs> but yeah, so it's from a year ago, the first issue to all of this stuff. Uh, I guess my first question is, yeah, you guys are successful now. Can I borrow some money for some beer? You mad, successful fucking bastards. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. Um, let me just give you an IOU. Okay. When we have to start making money from comics. Okay. And then, and then it's all, yes, I will get you a beer. <laughs> I think. I think we're almost not losing money anymore. <laughs> yeah, I would say we're basically like getting close to breaking even. So that's that's pretty good. It's a, it does strike me that comics are probably like any other entertainment business. You know, before we started recording, we talked about how Amanda and I did comedy, and it's yeah, there right. in, in these businesses, it's like yeah, the the top. It's probably like any other business. The top one percent is wildly. Spectacularly wealthy and popular, and then with everything else, it's like I'm doing okay. I love doing it. At least I'm making some money at it. And it's it just seems like every entertainment industry is like that. Yeah, I think it helps with stand up that the investment, like the monetary investment, is not very high. That's true. And with comics, it's you need to if you don't have a publisher, you need to get that shit printed yourself or whatever. True. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh yeah. And for comedy. Um, with comedy, it's mostly it's cars and gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For comedy, I, mean, I showed up. Yeah, with comedy, we showed up, and the microphone was already there. Yeah, so that so, helps. Yeah, that does help a lot. <laughs> yeah, in comics, I mean, the individuals who are particularly financially successful are doing so not necessarily through comics. I mean, very few comic creators who are, you know, wealthy, let's say, off of comics, are rarely wealthy off of their books, but more so off of options and other opportunities that have come up because of their stories. Oh, sure. There's Todd McFarlane and his baseballs and uh, Rob Liefeld and the hand jobs. Now, those guys actually are wealthy just off of comics. That's so. true. There, there was that shining those moment books, in, in about 93. In really yeah, yeah, in 93. Yeah, yeah just about anybody, if they, could, if they could put enough fine detail line into their art and uh, add enough pouches yeah. to the thigh, you could make some dough. But, yeah, but you're, you're more modern guys like Bendis, who I'm sure was paid very well by Marvel. I mean, really, the main way a guy like him is making his money is off of the yeah, ancillary stuff that comes out of it too you know it's not like you, yeah. I mean although I, I guess Big 2 is a little bit different but even at Image I hear that there's some creators who are starting to profit off of books when they're relatively successful yeah I, I think yeah, Fraction and Deconic them, maybe it's changing you know some of them make more money doing Image books yeah. than they do Marvel and DC books I think Snyder it's really, it. yeah it's really that top 1% of the Image books though that's true yeah, there's a lot of stuff that comes out from Image that doesn't get the same coverage or sales, of course, which I will hope will be us in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. 
I'd like be a one percenter. I would be <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'd be a passed over image book as long as I'm with image. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? You're on your way. What the fuck? Yeah. Last year was big. Tradition. Maybe this will be the year. So, I mean, yeah, oh, I, mean, I hope so. I, I hope mean, so. yeah, I mean, for us, yeah, it's from the outside. Yeah, we we Google you guys and holy fuck every now and again throughout the year and see more and more positive cool, reviews. And uh, yeah, like I said, the sequel got greenlit and released pretty quickly. I mean, it, how was last year? How did it feel for you guys? Like to feel like, oh, it's gaining momentum. We're definitely getting there. Or was it a I don't because I again, I remember feelings from stand up of I feel like I'm getting somewhere, but it's not fucking fast enough. And I'm, it's like, <laughs> how 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 was it? Because I know, Nick, you went from sort of web comics to, mm-hmm. to this and, and getting some attention. So I mean, how does it feel like? I don't know. I'm I'm yammering. Do you feel like you're moving in the right direction, or was it just this is glorious and we're on our way? You're not yammering. You're making a lot of sense, actually. And I think oh, if I had drinking. more distance, I could probably give you a very accurate uh, perspective on that. But being involved in it, you know, Daniel and I started making Holy Fuck almost what three years ago now, or two years ago now. Would you uh, start? Good question. 2014, or we started 20. I can't remember now. My brain is just mush. 2014, I think we started. So, right? Let me. I can. Uh, 2013. We started, we started 2013. in 2013. Yeah. Okay. So, almost three years ago. Now, where we, let's say like a little bit over three and a half ago. Or two and a half. Oh, my God. My math. <laughs> two and a half years ago. There will be a test on actually, this. We started in like April of 2013. So, mm-hmm. we've been working on this book for a long time. It's been a big part of our lives for a while. And because of that, I think it doesn't quite feel the same maybe as it does from the outside looking in. Mm. You know, I, I work really hard to make sure our promotion is on point and then I, you know, try to highlight all the coverage that we've gotten for the book and, and awesome conversations we get to have with, you know, cool yeah, people really like you guys. Yeah. Oh, and, um, and, and I think that in some ways maybe it might appear to be slightly more successful in relative terms, you know, sure. <laughs> and it, maybe it is, but it's been a modest success for us and a step in our careers. And I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy all the great parts of it like this, like having this conversation, you know, I'm honored to be here and it's, and that's a big change for me. I wasn't necessarily doing this before. Well, we're happy to have you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like we're still at the beginning of our careers. So we're really grateful for the chance action lab and other, and everybody is giving us by looking at our stuff and people like you, by by wanting to talk to us, but like we definitely still at the start, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, talking about the start, I mean, the start was really the first series. And like I said, I first mm-hmm. started seeing that, that you kind of intimated when we talked last year that maybe a sequel or something, you know, you're pretty close lip, but you, you intimated something you was coming up about it, but when it hadn't been announced. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what it seemed like. So, because I think we kind of knew before the first issues hit the rack, the first issue hit the yes. rack. We now, did. now, how did how did that work? Because the timing was really, at, at least from the outside, it seemed really fast. Was it was it a case of Action Lab saw what was happening on Comicsology and they said, okay, if you've got more, we want it, or we definitely want more, or was it, yeah, okay, we like this, and you guys had the idea and approached that? How did the how did the sequel greenlight process kind of happen? Well, first off, I want to say the Comicsology sales. I can't speak for other books, but they are far more modest than you would expect. Okay. You would think that you would be able to divide them with your print sales, but our print sales far eclipsed Comixology sales. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Um, which is, you know, it's really cool. It's not something I expected, especially coming from a digital background myself. Mm. You know, yeah, I think, I think people, 
edition. They're going to want the comicsology stuff. No, they want the single issues. It's interesting. I think people that are into the kind of stuff that we make want to go that extra mile and have it in their hands, you know, because they know we're independent creators. And so they really want to support us to the fullest they can. Okay. Yeah. And it's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, it's, I really appreciate that kind of support. But, um, but yeah, basically what happened was, you know, the way the comics ordering goes, you get your books in the previews catalog. Yeah. And then comics just shops decide if they're going to carry it or not. And our orders for, for what Action Lab traditionally does, we're a little bit stronger than usual for our first issue and strong enough to the point where they can, they can estimate your, um, what they would call like the attribution of your sales figures. So how much you're going to sell subsequently less at every issue based upon how much your first one sells. Cause they're not based upon consumer sales. They're based upon retailer sales and the retailers <laughs> have a very traditional way of ordering things. So they normally order close to twice as much of your first issue as they do of your second and then maybe a little bit less of your third, a little bit less of your fourth. You know? Sure. And they could tell from the first issue that we were selling enough that they'd like to give a sequel a shot and, and see how it does for them. We did not receive the same invitation after the first issue of the sequel. <laughs> if that's any indication. Okay. It's, our sequel sold like it was an ongoing series as opposed to a second oh, okay. series. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was fine, but it just wasn't. You know, yeah. about half the numbers of say something like that. It might be because it's so, it, it's so quick after the first series. Yeah. So it feels more like it's like the image type of ongoing series where it's like one trade and then you wait like one or two months to put the rest out just yeah. to have a little break. Okay. But for yeah. us, the way we created it, it was really two different miniseries, but for the it consumer, was, yeah. different. Yeah, okay. it feels like it's bing, bang, boom. I think if you probably mm-hmm. are reading it, but for us, they were very separated. Like, what would you say, Daniel? At least a year between the two, at least a year making them. Yeah, at least like finishing it up and starting with the new oh, one. Because, so. yeah, yeah. yeah, you, you told us uh, last year that the entirety of the first series was completely done and in the can when uh, Action Lab Danger Zone picked it up. So, yeah, it would yeah. have been mm-hmm. a much larger gap than it was for readers. Because, yeah, it seemed like. Yeah, the first four came out, and there was maybe a gap of a month or two, um, because yeah, didn't yeah. didn't uh, it was the summer. We basically skipped this. We took off the summer, and we were finishing April back in September. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now, actually, I'm I'm kind of interested in in how the numbers are up for the the print sales because when we talked a year ago, you know, what I was sort of speculating and. It seemed like you guys said, yeah, that's probably how it's going to be, and it seems like it wasn't. Was yeah, with with a title like that having retailers take a chance at it. Cause uh, like I've said before, our local comic store, he'll get you whatever the hell you want. You know, you want tentacle yeah. porn, he'll get it for you, but you got to ask for it and it goes behind the counter and he's just going to get right. what it. So yeah, with a, a title like that, it would seem like uh, a lot of retailers wouldn't take the risk. Was it really surprising to you I mean, to what level above your expectations? Did people say, yeah, all right, fuck it. I'll grab a few of these for the shelf. Well, we did about 3,500 copies of the first issue. Wow. Uh, which and that's not including one 500 copy exclusive that we did. So it was a little bit under four thousand total, which for what we do, that's pretty good. I mean, for, yeah, for our first issue of new creators, yeah. I mean, Jesus, the first issue of Walking Dead was seven thousand. So right, right. <laughs> so that's not. Yeah, bad. I mean, of course, different company, different time, but still, like you know, we we did that's that's pretty good for a first issue through the direct market. You know, it, I'm sure it didn't hurt that we had three covers. <laughs> 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 which now, is not necessarily my bag, but it does sell books. I've learned, which yeah. is interesting. We've learned <laughs> yeah. almost the hard way, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think covers that's the second series a little that we didn't do more covers. <laughs> Are you getting the main covers on that? The uh, with the Batman one uh, homage yeah. and. Uh, was Hulk three forty the the Wolverine Hulk classic cover and yeah those are great mm-hmm. I, think, basic I think that's covers. right yeah I think it's three forty right? yeah so, and then it's um Daredevil one eighty one for a fourth issue yep the, the then, Bullseye versus uh, Electra cover one yep so so just the main covers on those were awesome I mean then again Thank you. then again with the first with the first book it's like hmm do I get the main one or the beefcake covers there, there was a whole different <laughs> selling point depending on your tastes yeah. for the first series. Well, you know, we found Action Labs wonderfully hands off. I mean, we can't it, creatively; they've been awesome, but they do have cover approval. And and we've had we had some debates about what we wanted the covers to be. And I think for Daniel and I, at some point, we just decided let's just do something that's simple that everybody will appease everybody easily. And that's kind of one of the reasons we didn't end up doing like a cool slate of variants this time around. Yeah, it's also because we're not personally we're not big on variants. I think. No. Like we understand now, we understand that people love variants, and maybe next time we'll do a shitload of variants. But it's it depends on the person. Like Amanda and I, it's like we don't give a shit. It's as long as you know, if there's variants, we'll pick the coolest one that happens to be on the shelf. But we're in it for the story. But whereas yeah. there, are, oh no, me too, me yeah, too. But there are Same guys, there are guys at our local store who I really like, who have really great taste in comics. But they will go out of their way to make sure they get whatever variants are available because that's just that's part of the experience for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, yeah. No conventions. I've really been surprised. The few I've done this past year from Phoenix, and we did San Diego together, and then I did a, a show here in Long Beach, and then Kamikaze in LA. Mm. People really want the variants. I never expected that. I thought they'd want to, you know, a trade paperback and maybe some prints. They don't give a shit about prints. The trade paperback sells fine, about equal to the single issues. But when they see that they can get sexy Jesus or sexy Satan, you know, they can get this wide range of stuff we did for the first miniseries. That appeals to them. And I think that's a lot of people who aren't necessarily big comic shop customers. These are people who are at the convention for the novelty of the convention. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, changed I, a lot, the convention scene, you know? Oh, definitely. I also think readers kind of, when they get to pick, they feel like they're part of it. Mm-hmm. Then they're not, not just observant, observing like this thing, but they can actually like choose something. So they feel like they own it a little bit more. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you need to exercise that personal taste. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, when there's a lot of variants, like with a was it Archie number one? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we specifically yeah. it's like, all right, I like uh, Francesco Francavilla. Let me get that one because that's a particular mm-hmm. one I like, not because yeah. it was a a particular variant. And I think that's kind of a difference in comics now as opposed to the '90s. And and you guys were were both reading comics in the '90s. I really yeah, I, dropped, I was born in the '90s. Oh, <laughs> shut the fuck up, you young piece of shit, you. But I was I was in my twenties in the nineties. But but no, in the nineties in the nineties the the variant cover drive was implicit. You got to get all the variants because you don't know which one is going to be the Spider Man Torment number one chromium cover and poly bag that goes to ten thousand dollars next week. Oh, the poly bags! Oh God, that's and that's where my sort of ingrained uh, variants and it's a gut level reaction from that time yeah. when I. But even then, it's like, yeah, when there's a bunch of variants, I'll just pick the coolest one. And I think that's a much healthier healthier mm-hmm. way of using variants. We'll give you a bunch of cool ones and pick the one that you like. Not It's like gonna... a poster. Exactly. You know? It, you know, not like the old days where it's like, okay, uh, 
the, the queen is one of these three cards. Try and pick the queen. You better buy all of them. And I need the chromium <laughs> yeah, for cover. Me, for me, it's just like when I was when I was like an eight year old kid, and I went to the comic book store, and they had the different issues with the variants. I was just like, "What the fuck is going on here? Are they all the same?" And then they're already bagged or something. So I'm like, "I don't know. I can't read numbers yet." <laughs> <laughs> What's I, going on? I was and the same. I, and- I was the same way in the '90s. I was 26 and shit faced. <laughs> <laughs> so you cried a lot as well. Uh, yeah, I might cry later <laughs> on too. Why not? Exactly. All right. No, so, I mean, I, no. I can explain functionally why it's changed though so much because if you just look at the sheer size of print runs that occur nowadays, you know, for a variant, you could go anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand of a, of a particular variant print run, right? But that that ten thousand wasn't even a print run comic book publishers would print back in the nineties. I mean, that was. Your book was canceled long before it hit that. I think 40 used to be the cutoff back then. So if you just look at the sheer number of issues that had to be put together at the time, like, you know, it's so much easier to do a variant now because the numbers are so functionally different. And also the technology for that type of stuff has changed mm-hmm. too. It's not, you know. So it's, it's a very small margin of cost to produce a variant cover now. And, and it gives people options and they get to appreciate it like they're collecting their favorite art, artistic version of this particular issue, you know. Exactly. Even though I don't care myself, I, I get it. You know. Yeah, it, I'll pick the one that I like, and yeah, if you guys will do a holy fuck chromium cover with the chrome all on Jesus's crotch, that'll be the one I go Ooh. for. I'll pay extra for that one. I, I actually like that idea. Lenticular Jesus wing. <laughs> what? That's old. <laughs> that's the name of my next guy. band. For Christ's sake. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So yeah, you guys and also. No, go ahead, Daniel. Uh, the great thing about variants that. One of the things we were considering is uh, just getting friends to do it, you know, just giving friends the opportunity to get their stuff out there that might not get their stuff out there any other way. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's true. Like it was, you know, one of my greatest thrills was being able to have that variant cover with the beefcake Jesus and Satan that was done by my friend Kaylee, who was on the podcast with me when Daniel listened to it and said he'd be interested in drawing something called the Bible too, you know, so because of that connection, like that's so special to us. And, you know, I'm just so happy to have her involved in that. And the covers were awesome. Those were great. Yeah. Oh, they crushed. I mean, at conventions, those just killed those. And in Daniel's variants, he did for number four, people just go nuts for those. This is just something I'm curious about, just based on Amanda's and my background in stand up. is the comics, like particularly indie comics community, similar to stand up in that, Everybody is best friends until somebody hits a level. And then at that level, it's like, oh, fuck that guy. He never deserved that. (laughs) And do you guys feel you've reached that level yet? You know, I mean, just it's hard to say that exactly. I don't know that Daniel necessarily has that. He's really come up with comics and his local community has a few artists who are working at relatively the same level of making comics. Wouldn't you say you're like, yeah, Yeah, Daniel's part. He's part of that established crew where he is. Okay. Kind of. All right. Yeah. So we're, like the, <laughs> we're like the new, like the 20 something guys that are starting to get bigger and almost get money. You know? So you have a posse. You get the, so my experience. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, that's no, all right. Now I forgot what I was going to say. You fucked it up, Nick. God damn it. <laughs> oh, he, no, here I'm the band breaks up. My experience was that I came up in an environment where I was, you know, like a fanboy who turned into a wannabe, who turned into a obscure itty who turned into a very slightly, slightly known quantity. 
You like all the rhyming in there? Want to be very nice. Okay. It's almost like you're a writer um, and shit. And I have had some friends, especially who knew me when I was, when I wasn't shit, who have been a little bit weird to me about it. Mm. Um, I've had some, because I think their thought, because a lot of them were making comics before I was, and their thought is like, why aren't we published? You know, type thing. Um, that's just me speculating. I don't know how I've much it's like that. One guy, that he's he's uh, that I I used to be part of this group um, of like kids that made comics, and I had one guy be like, "I won't buy your comic because you've been working on this for four years, just the same shit." It's like, what the fuck? What does that even mean? I don't know. It happened like Does that guy know how long comics game. take? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it took me four years to get a publisher to be interested in this. And I and I had to redraw the whole fucking thing. What the hell is that? I'm not your comic you've been working on four years. Instead, I'm gonna buy Spider Man and the Fantastic Four. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it was really dumb, but it's like what the fuck? Uh, so it and I had the reverse experience too, where I had some acquaintances and friends who are at a you know much higher level in their career than I'm at, you know, or much more higher, further into their careers than I am, and uh, and I, you know, they were actually maybe the least supportive of Holy Fuck, hmm, you know, except really? for except for my friend Kelly, Kelly Thompson. She writes Gem, and she um she's about to start working on A Force over at Marvel and stuff. Kelly cool. was super supportive of us and gave us an, a killer <laughs> quote for the back of our first collection. But other yeah. than Kelly. I couldn't really get any of my friends or acquaintances. Oh, and Aaron Conley, too. He was super awesome about it. He did a variant cover for us for our New York Comic Con debut, which was really cool. And he's quoted on our new uh, trade paperback. But other than that, most of the people that I was acquainted with that were already making comics, like, you know, getting their books published, they wouldn't even read the book and give me feedback on it. Really? Yeah. I also had, like, a similar experience where... Like these guys that were at conventions, they were always dicks to me like two, three years ago. And now all of a sudden they're like, hey, man, hey, how are you doing? Because now I'm like at their level. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? I still don't like you. You were a dick to me two years ago. I'm not going to be nice to you now. <laughs> have to follow up and see if you start finding out about secret handshakes. <laughs> the underground rooms. It's all in the wrist. Pecking <laughs> order in the glory hole. <laughs> Some hellfire club. <laughs> but no, I mean, the thing is, I like to tell people the line between what I did previous to Holy Fuck and what I, now I do because of Holy Fuck is barely there. I mean, it's there's little different between self-publishing and doing what we're doing, except we're not footing the cost of putting those books out. And then we have been in some comic shops, which is which does get you a slightly different fan base yeah and you get a certain more you get a little bit more esteem and stuff because uh, i've also been doing some books in holland now and now there's like actual newspapers and stuff that want to talk to me as before they wouldn't even be interested in what i had to say but i still have the same thing i would have to say like two years ago <laughs> yeah it's not like no that's opinion true changed. That's different. I mean, the exposure changes. You know, yesterday yeah. I went and did a web series interview thing, Hollywoodish thing. It was weird, and that's something I've never done before. Is like go onto a set and film something. You know, and then today Daniel and I have had the opportunity, you know, to talk to two different podcasts, which is really cool. You know, wait, mm-hmm. we're not your first <laughs> sloppy seconds. <laughs> but it's, this is a very different cast than that one. <laughs> I put on a clean one. 
We don't do clean here. <laughs> you know I, I mean? can't do clean. <laughs> Even though there's not much of a, it's it, it's like that old quote uh, Bill Maher said. It takes a lot of events that seems like it changes your life before one of them really, honest to God, does. But still, I mean, that's true. That some yeah. some stuff has happened, and and one of them is. San Diego. You were both at San Diego Comic Con this year, Absolutely. and of course, you picked the first year. We've gone to the last nine in a row. This is the first year we just couldn't get passes for it. So yeah, I heard on the on the podcast Ugh, it was really awful for you guys. <laughs> you didn't. You did not miss much. Is all. You've been there plenty of times, and you know it's it gave us a, it gave us a chance to go to C two E two, which we'd never been to before, and that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's that was a lot of fun. And Boston Comic Con. I mean, Con I mean actually go to a show is. you haven't been to before. I mean, but yeah, Boston, I hear good things. I should do the show. You should. Come on down. We'll we'll take you out. We'll get you fucked up. We'll get you laid. It'll be this is our town, man. We can take care of you. <laughs> it's uh, uh late September, right? Uh late uh actually oh, I gotta check the date this year. Historically it's uh late July, early August. Oh, my bad. What's the show that would Oh, I'm thinking of I think mice. That was yeah. It's uh, a yeah, the the, yeah. the independent comic Massachusetts independent comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's September in Cambridge, but yeah. but yeah, it's Boston Comic Con has become much more of a you know reasonably sized uh, sort of region regional convention. About seven or eight years ago, it was like it was like all the others. It was in the basement of a freaking hotel, and mm-hmm. yeah, it would just be you know uh, local people you know trying to sell their local comics and uh, and a bunch yeah. of uh, retailers. But yeah, now a lot of fun stuff can happen in basements. Oh, <laughs> trust me, I know, and I hope none of them. <laughs> I hope none of the results of that ever find out my name. But, but yeah, it's it's become pretty solid. It's not San Diego, but it's enough to it's enough to keep the appetite at bay if you you can't get your San Diego <laughs> tickets. It's a good chase for out. after San Diego when Absolutely. you're coming down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, shout out to my buddy JB and and Pat. They uh they make the commercials for Boston Comic Con. They're pretty ridiculous. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, one of the things I, I talked about a picture I saw on Tumblr and Nick. I think it was I think it was from you. Did did you meet Duff <laughs> from Ace of Cakes at fucking San Diego Comic Con? Wait, did I meet who? Duff from Ace of Cakes. I think it was a oh, picture. Maybe I did. My buddy Jessica's <laughs> friends with them, and okay. she's moderated panels that I've organized, and she moderates his panels typically. He has a panel. Is there a photo where we're like shaking hands or we're near each other? Or I something? got this. No, you weren't in it, but I, it was on uh, the. I think it was the Holy Fuck Tumblr, and I got the sense that maybe you took it. Oh, maybe I might not even know that he was in the photo. <laughs> I don't know who he looks like. I've never met him. I just know who he is. Okay, well that explains. I don't even know who he is. He's kind of the Guy Fieri of sugar. It's- <laughs> <laughs> if it's the guy I'm thinking of, he's a, Duff is a pretty unusual name. Yeah, he's a Food I'm Network guy. I'm pretty sure it's my buddy that my, my friend Jessica does his panels. I, I have no clue what where it came from or what, but it doesn't surprise me or anything. Okay. just a- Oh, no, I'll tell you what I did, though. I was, since we talked, I was on a restaurant reality show. Really? Go on. Yes. My Justique, my fiance, the two of us, I got a friend who moved out to L.A., we're friends from middle school. She moved out here and she works for a production company. She called me up and asked if Justique and I, she needed people for a nearby restaurant that was, they were going to redo it. Right. But they got to, they need people to be like, quote unquote, reviewers. So they asked us to go to the restaurant and give a review of it, which then they acted like we tweeted it or put on Yelp, which of course we never did. It was just for the TV show. And then the whole idea is that the restaurant confronts the people who give it bad reviews so just Nick and I are in the group of people who get confronted by the restaurant. Nick did some really sweet like reality TV acting. Nice. <laughs> I was actually just being myself. I wasn't even putting it on. All right. 
<laughs> Putting the real in reality. Sure. Nope, sorry. But so we go, we have this like confrontational meeting with the restaurant, which is only confrontational because the producers make it confrontational. <laughs> and then, and, and the food was gross and, and the <laughs> restaurant could use a little love. Um, and then we go back after it's been relaunched and, you know, we rave about it. And the food was good and the restaurant did look better. So cool. Did you get diarrhea? I did actually. <laughs> the food was delicious, but it did not sit well. And I and they were like, "What can we? What fake tweet can we put together for what you thought about the new place?" And I was like, "Loved the food, but went home later and gave me the craps, and they didn't use it in the episode." <laughs> <laughs> Keep moving up in the world. Yeah, next, right. Next, it's movie deals. <laughs> movie Please, deals. That would be great. Movie deals about diarrhea. Hashtag emodium. I don't care what it's about. <laughs> I just uh, want the money. <laughs> I know. I don't even want the money. I just want to get our next book published, and that'll be done through a movie deal for something else. <laughs> Why not? They'll be like, oh, these guys are in the movie business? Of course we want them to make comics. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It, it worked for Kevin Smith. It, no, it, that only worked for Kevin Smith. That's only ever. Well, no, it, actually, oh, come shit. on. Straczynski, Jeff Loeb, Kevin Smith. Um <laughs> You're being schooled. Uh, yeah. Fucking Judd Winnick. Um, <laughs> no, Winnick. Oh. No, he's good. He's good. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm yeah, just saying he was on the It's the a long way to go to, to say the real world made your comics career. <laughs> no, but it did. I mean, come on. Would he have gotten published as easily if it wasn't? I mean, Pedro and Me was about, it was his award-winning book about being on the real world. Uh, yeah, that's true. But in my brain, I always sort of discount that and pretend he emerged whole cloth with Barry Ween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But even that would have had a tough time finding the right publisher if it wasn't, you know, if he didn't have that sort of added spotlight, right? Yeah, that's true. And uh, Christ, who the hell directed Iron Man? He did an Iron Man. Favreau. Favreau did an Iron Man comic right after. So you're right. There's yeah. There's oh my god, it gets you way. so much further than it does just loving comics. <laughs> <laughs> Love is not yeah, enough. Even, even being a novelist. That's like, you're a novelist? Yeah, here, write a comic book. And oh, then yeah, like, Brad I've Meltzer? been training my whole yeah. life to write comics. So I'm not you. No, you get, get out of <laughs> your scrub. Go on. And yeah, uh, Jesus. Uh, not, even, stick figures. not even novelist, uh, Tahanishi Coates with Black Panther. Yeah, Jesus. Starting in mm-hmm. comics is a terrible idea. You guys fucked it all up. You should have done something different. <laughs> He's literally learning to write comic book scripts, and I'm sure he'll do a good job. There's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. I'm not saying don't bring in all different kinds of writers. That's great. But it, it is a known fact that if you work in another medium that's quote unquote more legitimate, you have an easier time uh, getting opportunities within comics. So what other stuff could we do, Nick? That's, that's my, like, how could we like be this multi platform gods creatures? Do erotic, uh, (laughs) erotic, uh, serial box copy things. Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) We could be, we come from the serial business. (laughs) (laughs) Check out my sweet Cheerios copy. <laughs> Maybe you saw that penis that I stuck into the back of the booberry box. I am, I am the voice of Count Chocula. <laughs> who, 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 who wants chocolate in your veins? <laughs> oh, God. Did we create this monster? <laughs> Maybe. Probably. <laughs> no, these are the kind of things that Daniel and I talk about. <laughs> Sorry. Too much. That's why it's Too fun. Much. We were actually to just—I was just pitching him us making a web comic about serial mascots the other day. Yeah, <laughs> I would read that. Plus about sex dungeons and Full House. <laughs> okay, look, that was a good idea. All right, and you were the one who read into that. <laughs> I read into it too deep. I'm, I'm surprised sorry, there isn't already apologies. fiction out there about that. 
sure I'm Michelle is. Tanner, and welcome to my fuck tomb, dudes. <laughs> okay, not that. Not that. <laughs> it was just the dads that were doing the sexy stuff, not the kids. In oh, come on. Uncle Jesse totally has a sex swing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And I could hear uh, what's-his-name doing his Popeye impression. <laughs> oh. oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear God! We've completely we've completely lost control, and it's fucking fun. All right. Um, Yeah, I don't know what the fuck we were talking about, but we made some comics. Some people think it's cool; (laughs) other people don't like us. No, they think we're okay, slightly less okay than maybe we were before. No, there's probably people who hate us, right? (laughs) I would hope so. A few, unless somebody hates you, yeah, haven't gotten far enough. So, no, no. but no, I was talking about San Diego and I wanted to, cause I know Nick, you had been to San Diego before, but Daniel, was this your first Comic-Con? Your first yeah, San my, Diego? Yeah, it was my second time in the States. Oh, wow. Uh, in the San Diego church. Okay. But, uh, so <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> so Daniel, I've, I've always been kind of curious. So this is not only your first time attending San Diego, but, uh, you went as, as a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've always been curious because we've gone as as fans and as press, but you know, as a professional, how does it? Did they? Did Action Lab fly you out? Do you get into extra parties? You know, do do you get discounted hand jobs in the gaming area bathroom? What what was it like being there? You know, with, with a pro pass, did you feel like you got to do anything? Joe Blow didn't get well, to do. I didn't have to stand all day, and I got to sit behind a booth once in a while to give my legs some rest. <laughs> That's more helpful no, that's than you it. know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. it. That is it. That's really it. That's you know how easy it is to get a pro pass to San Diego? I know people who have gotten pro passes to San Diego that I didn't even realize could be considered a professional in any capacity whatsoever. It's The line is not high for the pro pass. It's just more. We saw people with fake names on pro passes. Yeah. <laughs> Pat McGroin. So, I mean, like, yeah, there are people who haven't put out a new book in like three or four years that still get pro passes. I'm like, how does this happen that they're – you know, and that's going to be me in three to four years. Don't get me wrong. I'll be happy I can get one. But, you know, it's, there are a lot of ways to get a pro pass. And it's, it's the only difference is that we can be in there after doors close if we need to be. Mm -hmm. So what happens after the doors close? Massive fuck fest? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Cleaning up the booth, talking about where you're going to go drink and eat. That's it. You've made San Diego Comic-Con sound like the most boring fucking thing in the world. <laughs> it actually kind of is. It's less it's, exciting than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Like an, an exciting convention is where you're exhibiting at your own table and people are just so much more stoked about your book than you would have ever expected. Like that, like Fe- Phoenix Comic-Con to me was so exciting because that was the first time I tabled with Holy Fuck. And just the response was just, it was double or triple what I had anticipated. I was really thankful that people connected with the story and that to me was like really thrilling just talking to people hearing their perspectives about things you know i love that but san diego you can barely strike up a conversation with somebody that comes to the table it's not it's too much of a clusterfuck there's a lot of pushing and shoving i mean on the being on the other side of the table where we're the herd trying to make our way through and there's the security that comes by and starts yelling at you to keep it moving you can't linger even if you want to Mm -hmm. yeah that's true and it's sort of it's tough Sort of in my head, like, yeah. Again, going from stand-up comedy, it's like you know, oh god, I'm playing this shithole. <laughs> I'm playing the second floor of the Kowloon. Uh, <laughs> if I could just get to Madison Square Garden, everything would be all right. And yeah. no way, it's the middle <laughs> is the sweet spot. You want to be at that show where 
people have time to stop and talk with you. They can express to you why they enjoy what you do. You can tell them about what you do if they don't already know. But, you know, when you're doing those shows where nobody wants to stop at your table or those shows that are so big that, you know, it's just a swarm of people that neither of those extremes work well. Unless, you know, if you're at San Diego as somebody like a Graham Morrison or, you know, a Gail Simone, just doing some panels and some limited signings and stuff like that. I'm sure those are incredible experiences. But, but, but don't get us wrong. We had a lot of fun there. It was warm. No, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you think yeah, you're going to get pro passes next year? Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't fuck up their ride, Rob. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, you know, fucking our publisher will tell you the same thing. Those medium sized shows are where they sell books. San Diego is not where they sell books. No. You know, it's just not the climate for that. And it's the same thing for creators. You don't really meet with that many fans then. Okay. It's not a thing I would have considered because, again, we've, we've gone there from the other side of it where it's just – Well, like, here's a great story. Check this out. My friend got her film shown at the film fest, the independent film fest that I have at San Diego, her short film. And I'm thinking this must be an amazing break for her. All the film companies are at this convention. This is, this is the place to be if you want to make sci-fi or fantasy films, right? And we're talking with each other, and she's like, yeah, I just feel really out of place here. You know, it's really about you guys. It's about the comics. And I'm like, are you kidding? All of us are like, it's really about you guys. It's about the movies. Yeah, like we're sitting behind the booth, and all we see is like the huge, like the huge DC booth with the suits of the movies. Like yeah. the Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. And like all the people are there, and we have to like shout at people and flash our boobies for them to come to us. <laughs> And the, really the only, the main reason why Action Lab wants to be there is because our CEO can take meetings with production companies. That's the main reason to have that presence. Interesting. Yeah. It's, okay. So it's about, you know, the back end of the business. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So really the convention at this point is is for the suits and everything else comes after. <laughs> it's for, for what we do it is. Wow. I do. He does. He looks great. <laughs> if, if we continue our careers, it will be, become about you know, once we have like quote unquote names, if that ever happens, there's a certain degree of we go there and, and it's a chance for us to do things on a scale, which we couldn't do otherwise. But, you know, how there's such a small number, the ones who are actually getting paid are the ones who are doing that. You know, we might have to pretend to be English. Mm. Oh. It does seem to work it'll, out for particular ones. For me. <laughs> Maybe. Absolutely no problem. Oh. Yeah, you do. You got it better. Well, hello, <laughs> Mr. Fancy Pants showing off. I can't even do a Boston <laughs> accent and I live here. <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Oh, it's no. just cursing a lot, right? They love me at the convention. <laughs> cursing and hitting women. Love it. Sorry. There's, there's no, definitely plenty of cursing. But, <laughs> but uh, look, kid, you got to fucking work on that, man. I know. I'm going for the two, two and a nasal. Come down the Hoyts. We got great furniture. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're somewhere in Brooklyn right now, a little further north. You think so? Okay. Something okay. Like yeah, I, I, I was born in Boston, but I left by 10, so I lost it. Mm. Yeah, so I, was, I was born in Connecticut and lived in upstate New York for a while, so I never really hooked one in. <laughs> I don't know what my excuse is. I've been here my whole life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily. You, you said one word earlier where I heard it, but it was it. Okay. <laughs> I'm Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's somewhere near narnia isn't it i think that's what i said last yeah. year <laughs> we're on the other side of the closet <laughs> that explains yeah. so much oh that mm -hmm. did not you keep on using that phrase i do not think it means what you think it means <laughs> no he knows what it means all right yeah, I, I don't know phrase, you know. 
The other side of the it's wardrobe. You read Holy Fuck, didn't you? Yes, in fact, we did. So why don't we talk about that? Because yeah, now that we've talked about uh, the original series and you know you had a big year. And all closets. Right. And mm. closets. So, all right, the first thing I want to bring up with, with Holy Fucked, because it's also, it's something that we talked about last year where a lot of the conversation revolved around man nipples, specifically Zeus's. And then, oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at the Holy issues. Shit, Daniel, we, our conversation with Rob and Amanda might have been the one that got the cock into the book. <laughs> was yeah, them? I think it, yeah, I think it might have been. Okay. okay, so remember we were talking about nips and stuff, and I was joking around about how I wanted more nips and bigger nips, and then I said something about how Daniel wouldn't draw cock in the miniseries. <laughs> and because we had that conversation, okay, now go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> Well, shit, I have to go back and listen to it again because I, I wanted to ask about that panel and I will in a minute. But <laughs> but yeah, it's in this one, we've got Hercules, you know, with the nipples that are here to cut glass and chew bubble gum. They're and perky. They, there's mm -hmm. no bubble gum to be had. It's And they grow. They yeah. grow. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, is there a particular thing that you guys have with man nipples beyond the fact that the phrase man nipples is glorious and works on its own? And I'm still waiting my, for the time. Mine tend to be very sensitive. <laughs> I'm I'm almost always mine are almost always hard. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Is that why you went to California? Just to tr the same way people go to Arizona to deal with asthma. It's I got to go where it's warm so my nipples will calm the fuck down. <laughs> Next to Hawaii, wherever I can they're find not, a cure. They're not hard at the moment, actually. They're very soft. Right <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Will you say we're not good enough to give you hard nipples? You son of a bitch. <laughs> Mine are just yeah, like I'm... once it's chilly, they become very sensitive, and it and then my shirt gets against it and it hurts. You got tape them. Nice. like a jogger. Oh yeah, band aid them. Duct yeah. tape. Band aid them and yeah, Vaseline like them off with the crosses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, so we were joking around in your podcast, and because of that conversation, I was like, we needed more Zeus nipple. Daniel ended up he he likes to fuck with me. You know, we we enjoy messing with each other. And we, tr I try to slip funny things in the scripts and he tries to surprise me when he gives me the art for the pages, you know, and he started drawing these outrageous nipples and I loved it and he was having fun with it. And that's kind of what happened with the cock that we have in the shower scene on page five too, <laughs> where I wrote it into the script that the logo should cover it. And then he, well, I think the version of the book I gave you guys has no logos because it's our digital collected edition. Right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but in the proper first issue, his cock is hanging over the logo. Yeah, over <laughs> oh like, like the the UN fuck is, is censored, right? But now it's being censored by Jesus' power. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. Oh, that's fucking glorious. <laughs> now, okay, let's so let's talk further about that. First of all, Daniel, very nice attention to detail. Ju Jesus was born Jewish. So you you drew him post bris. So I, I appreciate yeah. appreciate that. And I was gonna ask That's Jesus cock one oh one. Yeah, come but on. <laughs> I was I literally have in my notes here, where did this come from? And apparently it came from us. So yeah. <laughs> it helped. <laughs> so yeah, definitely the next convention you guys are at, you owe us a beer as payment for the idea at least. <laughs> but, Rob likes it. West Coast IPAs. But uh <laughs> Okay, so I mean, the first thing was okay. You submit this page to Danger Zone. Did, did, they, did they say anything? Did they have any notes? Was there any editorial <laughs> note about? Hmm. Um, well, to the what knee? they told us is really? that they did have a conversation about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hanging out with my buddy Dave Dwanch, who's the creative director over there, and now president of Action Lab as of this month. Oh, 
And uh, congratulations, and dude. Was, I don't know. Dave showed it to his now fiance, <laughs> and he was like, uh, "What do you think? Is this too much?" But at the time, nobody said anything to us. They've literally never yeah. asked us to change anything in the interior ever. And that's got. They've be- just been. They didn't even really. Jason was just like Jason Martin, our our publisher over at Action mm-hmm. Out Danger Zone. He was like, just make the book. He's like, I'm not worried about what's in the pitch for the sequel. Just go ahead and make it, guys. I trust you. And it was cool. You know, <laughs> like we said, the covers, he, he is, he's very passionate about how the covers come out. And, yeah. You know, we had some disagreements about that, but we worked it out. But the pages, no, they've always just been open to letting us do what we want to do. It's a low margin business. And I think really at the end of the day, they recognize that to us, our creative freedom is very important to us. And, you know, what, what are we going to fight over? You know, it's like, if the book makes the money back and a little bit more, everybody's happy. You know? We have a very specific voice, I think. Yeah. Like us, us combined create this creates this weird specific voice. And if you're going to fuck with it, it's not going to feel right. What's the point of it? Yeah. It, and that voice is, is loudly screaming, man nipples, wang. It's a good voice. <laughs> well, no, we wanted to subvert a lot of what you expect from edgy publishers and stuff like that. And you don't really get a chance to see male nudity in these type of things. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, if if this would have been any other comic and it, he would have been a lady, nobody would have even thought about it twice. Never. Nobody would have said a word about oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Except for, oh, I love her gazongas, bro. You know, or something like that. Whoopa, whoopa. Whoopa, whoopa, whoopa. See, now, you, now I think there needs to be some sort of variant cover in there where you draw Jesus and you ate Milo Manera or something. <laughs> Jesus, oh, Jesus yeah. with his ass in the air, Spider-Woman style. <laughs> Somebody write that down. No, I That's mean, a- these are the type of things that we actually considered doing. You know, we were going to do like a reverse uh, Batgirl cover. We're like, well, no, I don't think Daniel ever liked this idea, but my suggestion was like Hercules, like Maria's painting the smile on Hercules's face. And he's like, you know. Oh, God. Mixed out as usual. Yeah, it didn't quite work, but it was like. <laughs> right. He was like, I don't think it's in poor taste. And I was like, I don't have taste, so <laughs> nothing to ruin. <laughs> right, one more but thing. Yeah, I mean, we try to have fun with it and slip some beefcake in there because where else are you going to get it? You know, your local supermarket, maybe, if they bake the beefcake, but who sells those anymore? <laughs> Well, it's, I, I do have one more question about it. I've been calling it the Wang Splash, even though I know that really means something else. But who uh, who made the decision? Hey, I try. But uh, who made the decision on uh, Jesus's length? Because it seems like that's a not that, that that that's a no win situation. You're gonna get half of it's, the you're gonna get yeah. half the fundamentalists in the world screaming, "How dare you show the our Lord and Savior's cock as big as a baby arm with elephantitis?" And the other ones are gonna be screaming, <laughs> "How dare you show my Savior as anything but all cock?" <laughs> so who made the decision on it's gonna be at about the well? Knee? When we were at San Diego, I made the joke that I just copied myself. <laughs> But then, and there's always an air of truth to every joke. Yeah, and that. But then the problem was that there were some ladies that said stuff to me that made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, did that actually so happen? I that? Yeah, did a that really of happen? A couple Holy of times. Shit. Well, it's a. Oh, I think I, I think I know who it was. Yeah, that that went a little way too far, but it happened a couple of other times as well. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't pick up on them. I'm sorry. I didn't know about that. Either it's all right. either it's you need right. to elaborate or <laughs> it's just when you say when you make the joke like, oh, I base it on me, and then some ladies are like, Oh, I'd like to find that out. Oh or some or stuff in that 
So, so you guys, like, you guys got the reverse of the traditional sexual harassment at San Diego than you usually yeah, hear yeah, about. I didn't. Nobody gave a shit. I just wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens to me once in a while. Well, you know what they say about guys from the Netherlands and their penises here in America? <laughs> nothing. They say nothing. Oh. You're making this shit up, Daniel. We know this. <laughs> Dude, once you go Dutch, you go to the hospital. That's what we always say. <laughs> now, and my other idle question is, if you really took this idea from us, why wasn't Jesus wearing a fucking clown merkin? <laughs> but it's actually... Ashamed. I'm ashamed. <laughs> but it's... I mean, Dude, I, I'm now we've got to make a third one. <laughs> but I've, I've kind no, of been, I'll tell you. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, I was going to say, it's, I'm, yeah, I've kind of been joking about this, but did you guys take any shit? Look, you had Jesus with his dick out. Did no. you take any shit None. from anybody? Zero. Okay. Zilch, zero, nada. Everyone's, Nobody cares. <laughs> this, side of the world, this side of the world, people don't even notice it. No. Okay. Like when I show it here to Dutch people, they they just read over it. Like in the U.S., when we were at San Diego and we had the the San Diego special for it, everybody's like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> and then here, oh, and then here everybody's like, "Okay, penis." I'll tell you something that has happened though that I think has actually been really awesome is that I've gotten to connect with the uh, with a group of well, that's not a specific group, but like when I go to conventions, I get to meet a lot more. Or at least I get to have conversations about the fact that there are gay comic book fans that fucking think what we're doing is cool. And that's been yeah. really awesome for me is getting to meet uh, people and have conversations that I wouldn't necessarily get to have otherwise. Because I think that that's – I don't think people could say that gay comic book readers are like a very clearly represented demographic in, in comic book fandom. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's actually true. And it's – just now that you're mentioning it, it's the, – the entire concept of the book is so over the top. The idea that Jesus and Satan would be lovers and basically marry, it's not a thing that even registered to me that, oh, this is something odd. It's a, the whole no, situation of the weird. book is so big and I don't want to say ridiculous, but over the top. It's like I just have taken everything in stride. As yeah. now that I think about it, everybody in the book does, where in where Jesus comes in and Jesus and Satan announce to uh, Sister Maria's uh, – Mm -hmm. uh, soup kitchen yeah soup kitchen yeah. that they're having a baby hey that's the best thing ever it's a, so yeah everybody loves it they, yeah, yeah they yeah. live in a world where people are cool with it you know yeah the way we see it or at least i see it is like we're not we don't make judgment calls we no. just make unexpected things we're not yes. saying this is it, this is funny because it's wrong or it's funny because it's right it's just funny because it's unexpected I don't know the the Greek healing yogurt store with a giant wang next to it. That that's so <laughs> right, baby. So right. Uh, yeah, we no, have that's, one, a, that's a real that's a real Greek god though. Um, what's his name? Um, Priapus, I think it was. Yeah, Priapus. Yeah. yeah, with the 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 thing that happens when you get your Viagra boner too long and you have to go to the hospital is named after him. I thought all that happened was a bunch of comedians did hack jokes about if I have a boner for four <laughs> hours, don't call a doctor. <laughs> Sorry. To a call, call, I don't know who Cle it is. Call Barbara Bush. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, I spent a lot of time on the second floor of the Kowloon right around the time Viagra became a thing. <laughs> Sorry about that. But Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I, I've loved that we've been able to connect with uh, uh, readers who feel like this is like a, I don't know. I just, I wasn't sure if, gay readers would be like, oh, this is so, like, they almost would feel, like, diminished by it because it's a comedy, but instead they really connected with it, almost in, like, in that kitschy John Waters type way. You know yeah, what I mean? it's like, I have some of my friends, I, when I show it to them, because we don't uh, claim to represent them, 
or we right. don't we we don't put it in that genre, they actually like it more. Okay, it's like it's, it's part of the story as opposed to a yeah. genre story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, which I think is cool, and I like I like all of. Them. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got some friends that are doing this incredible book called Dash, which is like this gay noir, uh, like like a dick mystery. You know what I mean? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean in the sense of private dick. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But, but, and I think that book is fucking sweet and I love that they're doing it like that. And they're, they're published through Northwest, which is like, you know, kind of like the premier gay comics publisher. And I think it's fucking rocking, but what we do is a little bit different, but we're still celebrating all different kinds of people. And that's what it's yeah. about to us. Well, it's uh, from going back and I, I re-listened to, uh, to the show, uh, when we talked about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point I had just read the first issue and it was yeah. at the very end of the first issue where Jesus and Satan first got together. And it's like, Okay, only up until that moment, it could have gone into, okay, this is a full joke territory. But you guys have just treated it as, no, this is a given, and this is their relationship all the way through. And that's why, yeah, by the time you get through the whole thing, yeah, you find you're not even thinking about it at all. It's just, okay, this is the situation. And it's yeah, really like well. Yeah, almost the way it's written in the fourth issue when Satan's giving birth. It's the hospital staff who are jerks about the whole right. thing for yeah. judging him for being... Well, we never say what it is. I like to keep it ambiguous, but Satan's a god. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do with his genitalia. Exactly. And, five dicks. <laughs> yeah, he wants to. And so, but One of his elbows is really bad. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and the medical staff are jerks for even judging the situation. It's like, what did you expect? You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's the way everyone reads it, but that was my perspective on it when I wrote that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, by, by just treating it as this is the relationship all the way through... Yeah, it took any shock value out of it, and it's just, okay, sort of take it in stride as the as the book goes through. It's all good fun. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. I get a little teared up at the end, <laughs> just for personal <laughs> reason, because I never imagined <laughs> 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 um, You know, where it's the end is just the splash page of Maria, and she's like, you know, it's just kind of like this very happy ending, you know, for everybody, and I love the... I never thought that Daniel and I would have the opportunity to do something I consider at least to be a meaningful journey for this character where she goes to being in some pretty insane situations to having her horizons open to going on, you know, and she gets empowered throughout the story. And one thing I really love about what we did is that Maria becomes the sort of secret main character of everything. She's Mm -hmm. the character who creates all the change, who makes everything happen and who saves the day in both stories, you know? And like we, I don't know. Well, it's one of the things I, that... I, I get a little sentimental when I, when I feel like we were able to accomplish that. It feels good. Well, it's a, again, going back to... you know, I, I listened to when we talked a year ago and my first instinct... Because, again, I always go straight for the gutter because I'm a filthy human yeah. being. It's like, oh, Jesus is totally going to bone her. She's a, you know, Look, right. she's in a cheesecake, uh, you know, women in chains pose. And right, yeah, it right. went in totally a direction that I didn't anticipate all through yeah, that you took first... The bait. And, That's what we put it out there on purpose. Yeah, it absolutely... Yeah, you, you sucked me in, and then, yeah, by the end of it, it's like, no, she's really been the hero of both of these books. She gets to wear yeah. the mm-hmm. mecca like she's Ripley. And actually, that was one thing I wanted to ask, because when we did talk a year ago, Nick, you said that you were... Uh, you and Daniel were trying to put this forward as, like, a 1980s, early 90s B-movie kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And... The first uh, one. Yeah, uh, and I was wondering if you had in mind for Jesus almost Jack Burton, because one thing I noticed as the thing went through... Who's Jack Burton? Oh, you're breaking my <laughs> fucking heart. <laughs> Tell me you're joking, dude. 
I'm serious. Who's Jack Burton? Oh, he's a he's Kurt Russell in Big Trouble from Little China. In Little China. Oh, okay. I just I've only seen that movie a couple of times, okay. so I don't know him by because the, the thing that that struck me the big the the hook in Big Trouble in Little China is that Jack Burton he's presented as oh this is the big hero type and he thinks of himself as the big hero type right. but ultimately he doesn't do very much to drive the actual action mm-hmm. and no. it, I, I got the same sense with Jesus in both of these books where you know his he had the the big moment at the beginning with the shotgun with uh with Isis and Zeus and uh his interesting way in taking care of the missile but even that it's like okay we dropped him out of a plane <laughs> and he just but the the main action is going with uh with Satan and with Maria. So I was just I was wondering mm-hmm. if you were going with yeah, 80s action flick Big Trouble in Little China where yeah, we're showing Jesus as the big action hero up front, but really not everybody else around him is driving stuff. But you don't even know who Jack Burton is and I feel like a dill. No, no, no. So, I mean, I do. I mean, I've seen the movie. I just didn't think of him by name. It, that's really for Daniel because to be honest with you, I had never considered that as a particular influence. I think consciously but in a way, I think uh, both we, both us and uh, Carpenter, try to do the same thing. Yeah, with, with yeah, that Carpenter, character. I, so I, it's I very, like storytelling very a lot. Yeah, yeah I love he likes to subvert archetypes and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and I and I think definitely subconsciously, the the Snake Plissken and Jack Burton type characters yeah. are a big influence on this. But so is any Stallone type thing, and mm-hmm. even Schwarzenegger for that matter. Okay. You know, just kind of the the brash, slightly silent, tough guy. You know, mm-hmm. but I think for me, the the real theme I wanted to inject in there um, was that it really ends up being the human or the one that you, the one that you most underestimate is the one who has the greatest strength. Is kind of the theme with Maria. You know, where it's like nobody expects her to be able to do anything, but because of that, you know, she's able to empower herself to do whatever she wants. Power person. comes great responsibility. It's true. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, I think, I think we were trying to, we were collectively sort of pooling all that, but we're a little bit younger, you know, and I think for us, those type of, those movies were sort of foundational to us. <laughs> Shut up, you <laughs> damn kid. Those movies were foundational to us growing up. So it's, it's almost like we don't even have to recognize a specific example. It's just kind of, they all pooled together into that tough guy archetype mm-hmm. for us to a degree. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I guess there's a generational thing. It, it it's weird. You you sort of identify with what you you grew up with, and yeah, yeah. movies like that were okay. It's redefining what action movies are, and then yeah, by the time I was in my twenties and you guys were probably younger, it was just sort of you know okay, yeah, that's how certain things are. But yeah, that's a weird thing. Like about- for my generation, Hannah Montana is just like this archetype, you know? Yeah. Oh God, you sickened me, Dan. Like Jonas <laughs> Brothers. <I'm> just- <laughs> So, so to that end, I, I thank you for not doing that to Maria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have done a Yet. lot of Miley directions with that, but we All right, had just, to subvert it. <laughs> All right. And, and just one other thing in uh, Holy Fuck I want to touch on was, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you want to touch? Uh, I want to touch the new apostles, every single one of them. That's <laughs> Uh, the Holy Spirit looks so much. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really is like 1993 and Rob Liefeld conceived a dumpster baby in the basement of the Salvation <laughs> Army. It's just, uh, it's, so what do you have? There's uh, the one I liked best, but yeah, you can address because the, the art styles change. And the one that hit me the most was, a, and it was for a combination of reasons, was The Secret Pope. 
Because number mm-hmm. one, you got the Frank Miller Sin City homage. Yes. Didn't and, Daniel kill you know, it with that? Oh, that did, was great. Oh, absolutely. I want to do a whole book with him that looks like that. He did yeah. such a good job. <laughs> but it's thank you. But it's part of why that worked for me is it just sort of and whether it was intentional or not, Pope Francis gets all this press as he's the nice pope. <laughs> He's the Pope. He's not afraid of homosexuals. He loves condoms. He wants to bring everybody in. And I just love the idea that that guy, when the camera's off, he's staking vampires and neutering werewolves or waterboarding mummies. He's just, you know, yeah. no more Mr. Nice Pope. So that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you want to talk about the, the other ones and sort of the art influences that came from them, because one of them, uh, let me let me let you talk about him because there were there was... <laughs> Yeah, go. <laughs> Talk about the other apostles, goddammit. What? I need a drink of water. <laughs> I mean, that was mostly Daniel. I mean, I had ideas, you know, for what I wanted to see in the characters, but we're very collaborative and we brainstormed all that stuff together. And when it came down to the designs, I really just want Daniel to get his vision out there for how he wants them to look. And I think a lot of the way he chose to design the characters influenced what comics we chose to homage with our introduction pages for them at the end of yeah. Holy Fuck number two. So it was, we sort of worked in a reverse way where we, Daniel just kind of in, innately designed them. And then we were like, oh, this character could fit into XYZ kind of comic. Although, didn't I read on Tumblr or something, Nick, didn't you do the the origin page for Mother Teresa? Yeah, yes. yeah, you did. I like, I like, I like, I like sneaking Nick in, in the comics we do together. Just having him do like one panel or one page and this was the page that yeah. was his. <laughs> yeah, Daniel told me to make it, so I made it. Yeah, I tried to help him design Mother Teresa, but in the end, he just ended up designing her too. <laughs> My designs are terrible. But yeah, I had a lot of fun um, doing that pixel art page. That was a good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so the one... Yeah, no, okay, so but no, but we do yeah. have a lot more information for him. You know, I, the way I think about it is that um, I read this Mark Miller interview once where he talks about his love for the DC superheroes where he's like, yeah, I'm writing Marvel books, but you cut me and I bleed DC. And I think more like you cut me and I bleed superheroes. Like that's what I know. And that's really my foundation. And Daniel's probably sick of me <laughs> suggesting things that always have to do with superheroes. It's one of the, yeah, I think in a way I'm like, superheroes are so fucking overplayed. It makes me, but if I would like, have to write five concepts in 10 minutes now, like half of them would still be superheroes. Yeah. Because it's so ingrained in your experience of, of this form. Mm. Oh, absolutely. If, if you're a comic book fan, a large percentage of, of just what you, you're going to be exposed to is going to be superhero stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I hate myself for that. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, there's so much more. It's just a medium. But because... For me, the first thing that really grabbed me was a stupid Superman comic that doesn't even make any fucking sense, you know? So that's the thing that I'm always going to get back to, whether I hate myself for it or not. Yeah. Well, and I, you're going to have to be more specific <laughs> when it comes to Superman. There's a lot of them that don't make any sense. <laughs> it's true. So, Daniel, what were your... Obviously, you had a Frank Miller influence going on for The Secret yeah. Pope, which was a character we really enjoyed designing. I had originally wanted the Pope to be the villain, in okay. our sequel, but Daniel kind of talked me out of that, and and we ended up with a very different kind of story. And Ooh, so I still wanted a pope in there, yeah. And like we we've talked about what we'd want to do with the new apostles if we could. Here we go, chip time. My girlfriend just made homemade homemade crisps. Oh, yeah. chips, chips, <laughs> chips <laughs> in America. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, I mean the the that My girlfriend just made homemade crisps. <laughs> 
Crips are a gang. You really got to get this straight, dude. No <laughs> made. Um, fucking uh, yeah. I still wanted to get a pope in there, and we have ideas about how the new apostles could continue past their untimely demise. And holy fuck, way too many. I, way too many talks about that. <laughs> yeah. When you that's, get the movie, like only really holy fuck extension I'd want to do, which there isn't another. Sorry. But when you get the Not movie yet. deal, can Sam Jackson play the Pope? <laughs> that would be awesome, right? I think, I think Sam Jackson should play Mother Teresa. That's <laughs> that's counterintuitive casting. Oh, that would be cool. I think we would just mocap uh, him. We would mocap Sam Jackson and have him play the whole parts. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'm thinking more like Hansu. What's I, I don't know how to say his first name. Well, yeah, that guy. Dijon, maybe? Dijon? I know. I think I know. He's that guy. Yeah, you've lost me. Yeah. Hansu, he's like, yeah, he's a kick-ass action star. Okay. He's in he Guardians of the Galaxy. Looks... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was in Guardians. He already looks like the secret pope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mother Teresa is just, you know, she was supposed to be cyborg, but when we were done, she ended up being a robot. But for me, that's my love of vision and just any, and you know, just any cyborg character and any fucking robot character where it's like, you know, like they're always, like it's got to be an android always. Your robot has to look like a person, and it's like if they're gonna you know make a robot out of anybody, it just seems funny to me that they'd use Mother Teresa. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. Like nothing in her personality connects to it. It's no. kind of just their outfit looks like. Um, yeah, it's very nineties. Like, gentlemen, we can I rebuild love, her. <laughs> I love the working on the page for the Holy uh, Spirit. Oh, oh, I killed that one, dude. You tell me the influences no, that led to that. Sorry? Tell me the influences that led to the art choices for the Holy Spirit. Because, yeah, the one thing that, and whether it was intentional or not, uh, that leapt out to me was uh, Michael Fife, who does Copra. It kind of reminded me of that. I don't know if that's what you were shooting for. but No, not, not specifically. I really didn't have any specific thing. It's more like what kind of make that's so different from the rest of the art and something that I would never get to do. Yeah, because it was really fantastical. Yeah, yeah make it all artsy-fartsy. Like, you could almost... It, print that page out and put it on your wall just because it looks more like an art piece than a comic page. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. What's it? One thing. My, one thing. My inspiration and in the idea sorry, for that was um Sleepwalker. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember Sleepwalker? Okay. Yeah. Vega. What? <laughs> no, I'm drawing a blank. What's Sleepwalker? Okay. He, he was he was this '90s Marvel character. Okay. Um, that uh, he had like a 30 issue series that ran in the early '90s, and then they were done with him. And to me, that's kind of what Holy Spirit is. He's basically this like dream dimension uh, uh, monster type hero. And I think in the art stuff, like Mobius kind of got in there with the yeah. rendering and stuff like okay. that. Okay. Okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm still locked on Secret Pope. I want my own Secret Pope miniseries. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things like digitally when we were working on it at first, like the 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 Holy Spirit page is the one that popped out because it's so fantastical and stuff. Like we never like the secret Pope was just one more page, but then when it got got printed and stuff, all of a sudden that was the page everybody was focused on. Right. Well, it's actually, and one thing I wanted to, while well, I'm thinking of it uh, overall, the coloring on Holy Fucked was really kind of on a whole different level from Holy Fuck. Now I know when we talked a year ago, Holy Fuck was originally supposed to be black and white. And Daniel, yeah. you said you were cranking these issues out in like two or three days on the coloring just to get it colored. Yeah, I like did uh, all four issues in like two weeks or something. 
Okay. Yeah, we were under the belief that our book would be released sooner than it was. So Daniel got everything like right away done like right away. And then like a year later, they're like, here's issue number four. (laughs) (laughs) So for Holy Fucked, was it just you knew it was going to be in color? So you took extra time with it? Or did you use different coloring technology? Because it's really... And not to say anything bad about the coloring on on Holy Fuck, but it's really on a whole different level in the sequel. Yeah, I just learned so much in the meantime, you know. Like, I just got way better at it. I feel more comfortable at it now. Right now, I'm actually coloring other comics for other people. Oh, cool. Partially because of that, because it's just, I just learned so much more, and I... Yeah, now I love coloring. Well, for Holy Fuck, I was like, um... I don't mind coloring, but now I'm like, it's the whole fucking thing and it's awesome and all this stuff that you can create with it. Yeah. It just became a whole new thing for me. It's re- coloring in general has really become special in the past decade in comics, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love what Daniel does because it adds such a different dimension to his work and it really, it adds a certain like tone to it that isn't there otherwise that I think is really special. Well, I mean, just the technology for, for coloring and, and for mm-hmm. printing the color has become so much better yeah, Definitely. Even, yeah, I look back at comics even in the 80s where it was still almost everything was on straight pulp paper and it was, yeah. you know, a jacked up version of four color separation, but it was still just four color separation. And now, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. everything is so much better. And yeah, it's everything. And again, we looked at it digitally, but, you know, the the way it came through, yeah, it was it was really good looking. In, cool. In Holy Thank Fun, you, man. So, yeah, appreciate it big time. Yeah, we had a ton of fun with the new apostles they were just you know and we and we were excited to do that thing where they show up and then they just die <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, that was it, so much fun it, it is something yeah. different it's like okay let's do a, a massive origin a couple pages mm-hmm. for everybody and yeah let's turn the holy spirit into a fart we'll kill him that way <laughs> and oh spoilers you gotta have turned into a fart, but yeah <laughs> and actually you know something that's kind of interesting too is um uh, Cosmic Moses almost showed up at the end of Holy Fuck instead. Because I, I, my original idea is that Holy Fuck would end with Moses like teleporting into the room and being like, Jesus, you know, you've got to come play in this intergalactic basketball tournament to save Earth, you know, and then Jesus leaves. That's the end. <laughs> yeah. What I, you say? No, I remember the final panel of Slam Dunk yeah. Jesus canceled. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Slim, that, that actually did happen to Jesus. It just We just didn't make the comic out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it happens in that origin page. Or, or yeah, in that's page. right. It happens in Holy Fuck. Yeah, Fog. the Cosmic right. Moses page, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> like in three panels. Like this whole <laughs> book that never came to be happens. No, but we panels. actually had, we had had, like, we knew exactly what happened at that, you know, for the characters in there. And uh, and we were excited to sneak little references into it with Jesus playing mm-hmm. basketball and then Cosmic Moses in his introduction playing and then the page of how he got his his cosmic abilities, which is all very to me that comes from my um, Jim Starlin and Jack Kirby fandom. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, that whole page was. I tried to do Jack Kirby, but that failed, so I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the way it came out. It's, no, I could definitely see, okay, there's Contest of Champions all over this idea. Yeah, yeah, just those ideas. Yeah, basic, that basic stuff. I go goo-goo over, like, uh, those, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet, and Infinity War, and Infinity Abyss. You guys have read Infinity Abyss? That's I, I have not done Infinity Abyss. I got up to Infinity Abyss. the really best, all the right. greatest is the Thanos quest. The original two issues where he's trying to track down the Infinity Gems are just the best. Yeah, it's... 
my relationship with '90s comics is is kind of weird. I, I've said it before. I think I said it when we talked last time. It's I was broke. Then I was. Uh, it was a combination. I was I was in college or fresh out of college and dead broke. So I had to cut my pulls way down from mm-hmm. you know when I was in high school and all my money went to comics. And uh, yeah, a combination of that and yeah, the image years. It's uh, there was a long stretch. I was just reading Vertigo comics in the '90s, so I've had to go back mm-hmm. and, and backtrack, and and I've reread some '90s stuff. I still draw a line in the sand with the Spider Clone Saga. You will, <laughs> you will see me dead before you see me to read the fucking Spider Clone Saga. But, but yeah, I've, I've read Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War. But yeah, some of these I still need to catch back up on. Because yeah, yeah Demon's Quest is brilliant. I mean, that's I think that might even be late '80s. In fact, like '89 or something like that. That's possible. <laughs> Starlin's a fucking master, dude. Starlin is just on a whole other level to me. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's but it's you know, I was in high school in the 1980s. So when I was in high school, I had Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns and V for Vendetta. And it's like, wow, comics are growing up with me. And then I get to college, and it's Rob Liefeld's doing Youngblood. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think I'll save that four bucks for a beer. (laughs) So yeah, my relationship with (laughs) 90s comics. That Lightfield stuff is stuff that excited me when I was just right on that precipice, like 10 years old, deciding, do I want to continue with comics? Do I want to be into other stuff? And that stuff to me was like, boom, it blew up the visual aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, as def- sacrilegious as I know it can be for, uh, you know, comic readers who had already established your taste by that point. For me, foundationally, you know, trying to find every Jim Lee issue of Uncanny X-Men and, and you know, like... Um, when Joe Mad started drawing Uncanny, those were really special moments to me because comics didn't typically look like that before. Oh yeah, you know? but so it was it was an exciting time in that sense. And then that inspiration combines with the back issue reading that I get to do and go back to some of that stuff that's very literary. And I I, I doubt that we successfully combine the two of those things, but I do like to think that sometimes you get a little literary and a little of that exciting. You know, yeah, we're so yeah, literary. They come together. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just for me, I was at a particular age in the 80s where and and some of that stuff was going on. I think back of uh, the Peter David and Todd McFarlane on Hulk, where, yeah, yeah, you got that kind of, wow, we never got visuals like this. But the writing was just as important. I think in the early 90s, it slingshotted past that to, yeah, look at Rob Liefeld. What's the story? Who cares? It's look, we don't need we don't need story or feet. Doesn't matter. And yeah. And I got back into a much more wide range of comics, yeah, around 2000, where the writing started to be just as important. There was a stretch in the 90s where the art was magnificent, but Jesus Christ, how many spider clones can you read about with magnificent (laughs) art? You know, I will look at, I'll look at Tom McFarlane on Torment all day long, but it's, (laughs) it's almost like the, the Harrison Ford quote about, you know, Jesus, you can type this shit, but you can't say it. To George Mm. Lucas, he said this. To George Lucas, sorry. I haven't, had, I haven't had nearly enough booze. Yeah. No, but it's like there's definitely an air of it to that. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, things that maybe don't get as good of a rep as they should for what they were able to pull off with the writing from mm-hmm. the early 90s. But I'm not necessarily talking about those titles. I'm mean, about stuff that I think more got swallowed up and and kind of set off to the wayside. Like Glenn Kaminsky's run on Iron Man is pretty special. And, uh, you know, pretty much anything to me by Starlin from the early 90s is incredible. And anything by Peter David, you know. I think that his X Factor run would probably be regarded as a lot more of a classic type of foundational superhero story if it weren't for the fact that, you know, it was like Larry Stroman and Joe Casada getting all the attention for doing their outrageous art with it. Right. But yeah, 
We're not talking about the early 90s. We want to talk about your stuff, God damn. Aquaman. Oh, you guys want to talk about Aquaman comics from the early 90s? Because I could just go off about that. No, sir, That's... I do not. <laughs> no, that I dude sure has Aquaman. nice shorts. I'm just saying, Peter David's Aquaman. But no, this is why I like, talk, this is why I like talking with you guys. We can go on these tangents, and it's fun. Because the next thing I wanted to get to is talk about if there's going to be a potential for a sequel. Because I think you guys dropped... At least, Daniel, you dropped a hint, I think, in that last panel. Because we saw... Anasi dangling over Maria's shoulder on oh, yeah. the very and, last pen. And Hercules is still crossed, crucified on on the moon. Exactly. That's not gonna he's not gonna stay there forever. Right. So you, you bought your you, you guys bought yourself a decade or two by putting them up there just based on the estimates. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, we're not in a hurry to get into a third one, you know, but there's certain things that would be cool if we could do a third one. Just the fact if we could bundle three, we could actually have a Bible sized book. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking glorious <laughs> or i i was like we could my idea was we could do a um a kickstarter just for the slip case not for the books inside the slip case just for the piece of cardboard <laughs> <laughs> all right i was like that would be fun right yeah nobody's ever done that it's completely ludicrous so that works <laughs> <laughs> ludicrous <laughs> jesus christ but it's not it's not it's not potato salad, but it could be a Kickstarter on that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like we don't have anything planned at the moment. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of factors that factor into a lot of stuff that factors into that. Uh, we're working on some other stuff right now. Our book's been written and drawn. We're lettering and coloring it now. It's five issues. Okay, so so what's the book? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, you want to tease it? Um, give me something for christ's sake it's uh sexy it's Mm -hmm. super and it's it's i don't know what you're trying to do with your hand snake i'm sorry (laughs) i don't read sign language i think fatigue hysteria is starting to hit everybody here jazz hands (laughs) jazz hands (laughs) hands. uh, it definitely it takes a classic superhero relationship spins it and then fists it fists it that's so good because I know you wanted to talk about fisting. <laughs> okay, so is this with a pastiches that we will recognize or possibly? Okay, we we had a pastiche that was even more recognizable that nobody wanted, <laughs> <laughs> and we even had some conversations with the publisher about it. And because of those conversations, we were like, you know what? Maybe we were too obvious with this. Let's let's make it a little bit less of a direct parody. And more of, uh, and make these characters a bit more original in this particular mm-hmm. story setting, and uh, and we ended up with something that I think is actually pretty unique. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really good. I okay. think this this is like a level, really level up from Holy Fucked and Holy Fuck. I think yes. it's much better. Okay. I think so too. So and hopefully you guys agree with us. I don't know. We'll see. But we'll have to read it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Are, are you guys doing this on your own right now, or do you have a publisher yeah. for it, or? Can you discuss who that is? No. <laughs> oh, I wish we want one. So if you publishers, because I know it, they probably to all exclusively publishers listening to this. Yeah. Um, this is the publisher podcast, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We're people who know people. We're certainly not two comic geeks in a basement. That's <laughs> 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 true. All right. <laughs> so it sounds interesting. Yeah, if any publishers are listening. 
<laughs> we can put you in touch with these guys. Don't hold your breath, guys. But Daniel just <laughs> signed a book deal recently for a different type yeah. of book. Oh, yeah. All right, tell me about it. Uh, it's it's a Dutch publisher, so nobody will ever get to see it on your side of the world. Okay, well, thanks um, for nothing. <laughs> it's more like um, the BD type, you know, the Belgian Franco-Belgian type uh, book, like the big format, mm. about fifty pages. It's about uh, my brother had cancer, so it's about that. Oh, okay. Sounds okay. less funny. I'm not going to lie to you, but no, it, it but, doesn't sound funny. But it's there's still some funny stuff in there. I get to. I, I'll sneak some nipples in the back there as well. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's not nipple cancer, but <laughs> well, thank God, nobody needs that. Thank God. Does it have a title? Uh, yeah, it's uh, called uh, "Bladder Cancer." Now what? Okay. Like <laughs> so, now it. we can at least Google, Google it. Yes. <laughs> no, now we can Google it, so we can check out the art anyway. I wanted to do one last thing. No, go ahead. If, sorry. If sorry, you, if you do a third uh, holy fuck, I got a pitch. Uh-oh. This is the only okay. this is the only pitch I will ever do in comics. But can you also draw it? Uh, I can. Sure, stick figures are fine, right? Lay it on sure. me, baby. Okay, so it's Jesus and <laughs> Satan versus. As a matter of fact, not just Jesus and Satan. Bring back Isis and Hercules in the whole. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, and have all of them against Cthulhu, because the Cthulhu mythos says that when man stares upon Cthulhu. It's non-Euclidean and it drives them mad, but maybe right. it's different for gods. Maybe he's not as threatening. So the only hook I've got is since everything is through the point of view of Jesus and Satan and the gods, they see Cthulhu as one of those little Cthulhu, like stuffed Cthulhus. So it's just this cute little Cthulhu thing, <laughs> but every human being around him is screaming and shitting their pants. And that's all I got, that one visual. There's no story to it. But that's all I got. <laughs> That's how the best story are, the stories are born. Man. That's bullshit, but I appreciate that. <laughs> See, that's better. Because I, I in, like it. I like it. In my mind, I was Daniel saying, and I, I'm good. No, I was going to say, in my mind, when you say, like, you know, so gods look upon this other elder god, and I'm thinking maybe they're just seeing him through, like, a Vaseline lens for, like, softcore. Or it's not, it's not. <laughs> not. Softcore? <laughs> that we don't do softcore here, baby. Yeah, there's no softcore in this book. <laughs> And my only other demand is that if Jesus is going to be a 90s extreme skateboarder, then Rad Christ must be a pog hustler. Just hustling pogs on the playground. Okay. Yeah. Pogs are good. They're back. No, form, form. They're not back. <laughs> um, we know what we Yesterday. would do mostly for the third one. I mean, we haven't settled on it completely, but I know the main thing I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And Daniel has agreed. And, uh, and it could be incredibly dangerous for us. What have I agreed on? You know the 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 character that I want we'll to be talk in the about third it one. Later. Oh, oh yeah, what I'm talking about. Just I, I the, only, the only reason I would want to do a third one. Just based on yeah. what you're talking about, I, I know what you're saying. And is it Pikachu? <laughs> Tell me, yes, it's Pikachu. It's Pikachu. Yes. Of course, <laughs> drawing Pikachu has has put many people in danger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've seen you've seen the prophets of Christianity and, and Judaism in both of these <laughs> between Moses and Jesus, and there's. There's another prophet who's very crucial to monotheism. Yeah, we're talking about Buddha, just saying. Buddha, that. yeah. yeah. St- stick Buddha. With, I-, I like you guys. Stick with Buddha for right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Or, or, I, I don't know that I would be okay with doing a third one without including it. And But it's not what you think. Maybe Jesus could become a Shaolin monk. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that actually seems plausible for our Jesus. Kung Fu yeah. Jesus, I like it. Mm. <laughs> And um, then he can talk to the other guy. 
Yeah. yeah, the other guy will still be there. That's not that can't go anywhere. We <laughs> will still really be there. Special plan. Get one we have or, a really special plan for it. Get one or two of those fat movie checks, and then hire the security, and then yeah, I'd like to read it. But <laughs> no, we have a spin on it, so it's not. Is was he drawn? Was he not drawn? That's we have a good. We figured out a way to make it work. You're giving it away now. <laughs> no, no, because this is all we're ever going to say about it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, we'll never talk to anybody else about it. <laughs> only the publishers that listen to this podcast will know that we have ideas yeah, I don't our, even want the publisher to know until they get the fourth <laughs> oh no they'll never know uh, yeah our vast network of publishers we're we're, yeah. we're hit makers baby <laughs> I don't know if you knew now I'm just picturing all this dialogue that's just coming from off panel <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright so Holy fucked. Uh, the trade paperback uh, is out in stores on Wednesday. Um, is there a? Oh, that, no! Before we go on, there was a. Uh, some appearances. You guys have a, some appearances coming up that we wanted yeah. to uh, to make sure that we asked you about. So one of them is uh, London, apparently uh, somewhere near Times Square of London, or <laughs> between Soho and Covent Garden, something on Main Street in London. Orbital <laughs> Comics. Tell us about your yeah. Orbital Comics appearance. Yes. You and go, Nick. <laughs> You're okay. shit. So I'm like, what the fuck's going on there? Daniel and I are uh, going to be at Orbital Comics on f- Friday, February 12th from 5 to 7 p.m. signing copies of Holy Fucked, the London collected edition. Yes. and uh, But what? But any books, the, any Holy Fucks. Actually, any books you bring to us, period. Yeah, if you bring me a Spider-Man. I'll, <laughs> I'll even do a If you bring somebody else's book, I'll do a sketch. <laughs> Bring him an Aquaman. Bring him an Aquaman. Yeah, well, that I would. I would do that. And um, nipples, <laughs> <laughs> and then following our signing, we're going to do a live director's commentary for whoever decides to hang around, along with the, a couple of our buddies at the shop there who've been super supportive to us. In fact, the store is actually quoted on the back cover of Holy Fuck. Okay. Now, when well, you say- an employee of the store is quoted. Yeah, okay. The store, like the building itself. <laughs> this uh- book is dumb. <laughs> Now, when you say a live director's commentary, how does that work? Uh, what what is that when it comes to a comic book? We go through page by page, and and you know uh, our buddies Chris and Thomas from Orbital are going to ask us some questions about how things happen, and we'll share some stuff you may have not expected about it, and and you know uh, why certain choices were made, and just in general things we might enjoy about it. Whatever you'd hear on a director's commentary, okay. you're going to get it as kind of like a read through of Holy Fuck. Cool. Okay. So yeah, you can be a good time. Long. Like, oh, what's the meaning of this penis? What's the meaning of this penis? <laughs> the of this penis? I think I'm going to put on my tombstone. <laughs> now, might this commentary find its way to YouTube, or is this just a, if you want to see it, you yeah. better get your ass to, to London? It, no, it's going to be on YouTube, and Daniel and I are in, like, a steamed company with this. I think all they have so far is on YouTube is, like, Becky Cloonan and... I forget who their other one is. Some big shot. I don't know. Either way, you're moving up. You're in. You're in good company. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if ours will specifically be on YouTube, but it'll definitely at least be a podcast, and I hope it'll be on YouTube as well. Okay. Very cool. Awesome. And uh, what what was the other appearance you were were talking about, Nick? You're going to be in I'm Long the, Beach. I, I just got invited to do a panel at uh the Long Beach Comic Expo at the end of February. So. I think that's the 20th or the 21st. I don't know what day it's going to be on yet. But if you hit up nickmarino.net. You know, all, as soon as it's announced, and I know for sure what it's going to be, Cali people come come hang at the panel. We'll have a good time. And this is actually your second appearance um, yeah. at uh, Long Beach. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's my hometown show. I mean, not I'm not born and raised here, but you know, I, I live in Long Beach now, and it's a quick bus ride away. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I'll be hanging out. He hangs with his skateboard behind the bus, like. <laughs> basically, like Marty McFly. Yeah. And uh, no, this I'm not going to exhibit at the show. I'm just going to be hanging out, walking around, talking, and and doing this panel. Great. All right, very cool. So yeah, to find out uh, information about you, Nick, it's nickmarino.net. Uh, Daniel, yes. you've got a uh, website or Twitter or anything Tell you want to... Both. Okay. It's just my name. Just Google my name with the incredibly difficult last name. That's Daniel. Right. Yeah, he's the only one. That's all right. You can check the show notes for the appropriate spelling, the correct spelling. And uh, what's... Yeah, but his, his site is danielarudamasa.nl. Dot .nl. Because I'm okay. Dutch. <laughs> Netherlands. That, and that's near Narnia, right? I'll never yeah, figure yeah. that out. All right. The other side of the closet. All right. And, the looking ass. And what is the? Oh. Uh, and what's the Tumblr for? Uh, for holy fuck again? Oh, I don't know. That's some other complicated URL. As holy fck comic. I, I swear to God. All right. I'll 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 find it. I'll, <laughs> I'll Tumblr. Just, just just Google us and then get your links from there. All right. It's easier. Google holy fuck or Google fuck. No, holy fuck doesn't. You got to put it in the quotes if you really want to get the sure. right results. Okay. Well, Google yeah. holy fuck in the quotes. Yeah, if you get holy fuck, yeah. I think there will only be two or three uh, results on Google for holy fuck. <laughs> it's like if you put in boobs, you don't get very much. But, all right. You can so, also Google that. But, Try it. Yeah, just Google boobs. You'll find us. Right. Now, do I have to spell it like 8008 or do I do like B-E-W-D, like all in caps? Oh, or... we've, we've lost control <laughs> on this thing. This is it's it's all over. Question. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Any, anything else? Try all. Try all. <laughs> any anything? Any final thoughts you want to share about what you're doing? Holy fuck! Anything else before we wrap up? I got another book coming soon. Been working on it for almost five years now with yeah. my buddy Nils, okay. and uh, it's another superhero story. It's gonna be pretty fucking weird, and uh, you know we're just lettering it now, and and hopefully finding a publisher soon. So keep an eye out for that within the next year or so. Hopefully that'll get announced. And uh, it's special because every panel was done in the in the sixteen by nine aspect ratio. Oh. So it's really made to be consumed, you know, on a large screen somewhere. That's how it's really going to look best. Okay, right. very cool. It's like an animation, but just one frame a second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, it's just nothing's animated. Yeah. <laughs> it's like animation, except nothing moves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a digital comic that's made to be consumed digitally, but it also looks good in print, too. You okay. can stack three on a page like a regular comic, or ideally two on a page would be the way we want to do it. Okay. No, sounds But that'll cool. be like a weird shape. and you know. I have a giant monitor. I look forward to this. All right. But yeah, it's going to look... He's put, Nils put so many jokes into the background that are fucking way better than anything I wrote in the script. That's, that's the way to read it. <laughs> All right. So we'll watch for that, hopefully, in the next year or so. All right. Yeah. Nick, Daniel, thank you again for for being with us. This ran a lot longer and was a lot more fun than I think the last one was. But thank you. I really appreciate you having us. It's always fun talking with those guys. It is. It is. It's uh, even, I hate doing audio editing. Mm. I hate listening to the sound of my own voice. So clearly I've picked the right uh, side job to do. But uh, yeah, just editing that and going through was, was just a lot of fun. And yeah, you get weird points of view that mm. you would not necessarily consider. Like <laughs> the idea that going to San Diego Comic Con is not the power and the glory for everything comics, 
Because, I mean, as fans and people who report on it, for us it is. Yeah. It's like absolutely, yeah, we were, I don't want to say unmanned, but we were bummed that we couldn't go last year. And you know, we got to go to C2E2 and, you know, do some other stuff. But, but yeah, the idea that this is not the greatest possible thing that could happen to any comics creator. Fun, but just uh, not, not quite as productive as other ones. That was kind of interesting. To that me. makes sense, though. I mean, it is an unyielding crush of humanity. And if you blink, you miss things. And it's hard to, I think, really get noticed when it's just wave upon wave of, of people crashing by with so much spectacle happening around. That is the hard thing. It's, I find myself at San Diego. You, know, you go through the smaller press areas and there are times where it's just, number one, you're exhausted. Yeah. You know, because Daniel had it right. One of the best things is I had a seat and I could <laughs> sit. It's like that is a valuable thing. It's but. true. We used to plan out panels specifically for the purpose of I got I got to sit down. Yeah, <laughs> but so yeah, it's you're exhausted and you're walking through and you know in a perfect world, yes, I am here in small medium press to find new books and find new artists and things. That, and sometimes that's exactly what you're there for. Other times it's I'm just trying to get. To the bathroom, because it's, if I pee here, they'll pull my laminate. <laughs> and you find yourself walking through just trying not to make eye contact with people. Yes. And it's, that's a shame, because we found some great books there. Our first San Diego Comic-Con, you got, and you were aggressively marketed to, <laughs> the uh, Arsenic Lullaby. Yeah, yep. Which has been a long-time indie comic and has, has done a couple Kickstarters that at least I've contributed to. Right. But yeah, it was you. Do you like dark humor? Of all the fucking people to ask, Amanda. <laughs> it's like, why, yes, sir. What what wares are you playing today? Yeah, it was like I was being targeted in Minority Report. Like, mink. Here's an ad out of nowhere. It's as though they're reading my brainwaves. Uh, yeah, it was a pre freak, pre <laughs> weird sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and yeah, we found some other stuff there and. Yeah, there's some great stuff, but there's you know, also it's there's times it's like, I I can't I can't it's <laughs> it's like there are times it and this is not a fair comparison, but it's like walking the bridge from Tijuana to San Diego. <laughs> if you make eye contact with any of the beggars, you're done. They're coming for you. Everyone is just uh, please send you. Oh, it's that <laughs> it happened to me when I was 16 years old. My brother was 14. My family went to Tijuana, and coming back. Yeah, my brother made eye contact and gave like a quarter to one and it was a human swarm. We eventually had to like chuck change, just throw change and peel off. That's creepy. And it's, it's creepy and it's depressing and it's sad and that's a terrible part of the human condition to be a part of. And you don't want to compare the small medium press. <laughs> No, no, you don't. San Diego Comic Con to that, but there's times where it feels like if I look at one, I gotta talk to all of you. The huddled mess is looking for a quarter. Yeah, (laughs) well, no, looking for an audience, and God bless them. We found some great stuff there, but it's yeah. There's just times where it's if I talk to one of you, I'm gonna bum out the one next to you, and if I bum him out, then you know the nice woman across the way, I'm gonna upset her, and I really gotta pee. <laughs> and usually in your case, because it's that side of the building, you're you're actually trying to make a break for the outside so you could smoke. Yeah, if somebody doesn't give me nicotine, even with the the e cigarette I'm on now, I'm still <laughs> addicted to nicotine. It's not as much, but see, I still remember the layout of the floor. I, 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 the 
side that you're talking about specifically is the side closest to the doors to the sidewalk. Well, you still remember the layout. We went nine years in a <laughs> row. We missed one. I doubt they've done a radical reinterpretation to the place. God, what if they have? And we're hoping to go this year. We'll find out, hopefully. Hopefully. But, so, yeah, it's it's great talking with those guys. It's it's one of those books. Uh, it's certainly not for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you've... Uh, look, if you're listening to this show, you've got the right sense of humor, for God's sake. Read it's, the book. Yeah. Ask your retailer if they'll order one. Uh, otherwise, you know, certainly go to the, the Action Labs website, which <laughs> it's probably actionlabs.com. I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, or Comixology. Yes. Because, yeah, there's, it's a fun book. And there's a little more going on there than you'd think, particularly from, yeah, looking back at the first issue, it's like, oh, this looks like a fun, kind of blasphemous, and there's a little more going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, check that book out. In the meantime, want to talk about a couple other books from this week? Sure. All right. What do you want to start with? Oh, let's start with, you know, if we're going to talk about things that are slightly um, off-center, let's talk about Spider-Man Deadpool, or Deadpool, Spider- uh, Spider-Man Deadpool number one, All Joe right. Kelly and Ed McGinnis. Yes. So... All right, here's some long-term history that, frankly, I had to Google because um, I said during the interview with those guys, through the 90s, I was reading pretty much just Vertigo books. I never had a lot of money, um, and yeah, everything was sort of Marvel image, Rob Liefeld, so I, for about five or six years, dropped most of my Marvel and DC stuff. Um, when I sort of did that, at that time, Deadpool was just another generic Rob Liefeld badass and only about one of a hundred of them between Marvel and Image. So I didn't pay any attention to Deadpool whatsoever. He was just another killer. Mm. Um, with a name stolen from Clint Eastwood for some <laughs> goddamn reason. But when I came back to comics, like wider ranges of comics, uh, in the early 2000s, Deadpool was insane and fun and broke the fourth wall. And it was the character that we know today and is a strong enough character to have his own movie deal. Right. Um, which, if you told me that in 1994, <laughs> when I started culling my pull list, um, I'd have laughed in. Maybe just shade the Changing Man and Hellblazer for it. I'd have laughed in your face. <laughs> but uh, by every indication, Joe Kelly is the reason the character is what he is today. He, he took this book that was just sort of failing. Uh, it was about to be canceled, and he sort of made it fun, made it what it is today. And, and again, I only know this from what I've been told. I never read those issues. So for me to pick this book up was mostly a case of, all right, let's see how the character works in the hands of the guy who supposedly made him what he actually is. Okay. And holy shit, that was a fucking fun book. We kind of have a theme with that, actually, with this and, and the other book we're going to be talking about. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think one works better than the other. Yeah. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we just sort of dropped in media res into this we've got deadpool and spider-man nose to nose <laughs> shrieking at each other spider-man's about trying to find out dormanu's plans and deadpool is about how being tied to spider-man's giving him involuntary boner yeah. <laughs> just yeah. some great lines about god if we only had some leverage oh there's about to be a lever it's like oh this is fucking fun <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what was your? I just I had a lot of fun with this book for a I, lot of reasons. Yeah, I I thought it was it was a great fun book. It's um, I always enjoy watching Spider Man and Deadpool bicker. Um, Kelly as a writer is bringing in recent history and Marvel in terms of Deadpool being the reason 
Spider-Man quit the the most recent incarnation of the Avengers. Yep. Um, is talking about Deadpool's current uh, franchise opportunity with Mercs for Hire. <laughs> yep. Um, and and then just yeah, the whole the whole idea that Deadpool is enough of a complete sociopath that he needs a mobile app to um help kind of understand morality. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's not even understand morality. It's like a random role for D and D alignment. Yeah, it it's really like, is. Today I'm chaotic good. Oh shit, I like chaotic neutral. Then I can do whatever I want. Yeah, and, yeah. It's just fun concepts in this, and and he just desperately wants to be friends with Spider Man, who wants none of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's well, how sincere Deadpool is, and he he gives a little speech about you know I know you think I'm trash, but I think being around you will help me. Become a better hero, whether that's true or not. I'm not well, he seems sure. committed. He hired some spoilers, by the way. If uh, you didn't have, if you've never for some reason heard this show before, uh, we spoil the living shit out of everything. Yeah, but we try to <laughs> we try to be nice about it. So let's spoil it. So we're spoiling things. Yeah, uh, hired somebody to be uh, Dormammu. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, for the sole purposes of you know, let's let's um work together and try to defeat. Dormammu. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, all right, well, that didn't work. Well, I know. Then then I need to take out Peter Parker, Spider-Man's employer, because then, you know, it's it's for the heroic good. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the 1% only gets there by stomping on the necks of the other 99%. Yeah. With no idea Peter Parker or Spider-Man's Peter it's, Parker. Right. <laughs> um, and not reading any social cues there, because even if even if uh, he didn't know... Um, Spider-Man is is saying enough nice things about Peter Parker that one would assume that he likes his boss at least. One would think, yeah, <laughs> there, there should be enough there. Uh, so it, it's just it's just a fun book. It's 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 silly. You don't have to think about it real hard. Uh, you know, there's there's some s- inevitable swipes at millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although I try not to. I've, I've said before, the minute I say you damn kids without a trace of irony, I'm packing it up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how, how do you de- how do you defeat the mindless ones if they come at you? Give them brains. Yeah. Give them really entitled brains. <laughs> That's See, p- part of what I liked about this was the action is just all over the place and completely over the top. You know, from, yeah, fighting Dormanu. To this day, I've been reading Doctor Strange comics since I was seven years old. I have no idea how to pronounce it, but uh, Dormanu and the Mindless Ones uh, to battling Hydra Man after Hydra Man took a trip through sewers. So yeah, Deadpool planning to assassinate Peter Parker for being a rich guy. This is the kind of plot that you need for a story like this yeah. because you need something where Deadpool can go completely over the top in terms of action and firepower and pure insanity so that Spider-Man can react to it, because this is the rare story where Spider-Man, wisecracking, always with a joke Spider-Man, is this straight man. Right. Yeah, he gets a couple of good lines in, but this is mostly Deadpool's show, as it should be under Joe, Pel- Joe Kelly's pen. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, half the fun of this is going to be seeing how Deadpool does things to make Spider-Man so spun up that he becomes... Abbott to Deadpool's Costello. Yeah. It's, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's just to drive him totally bug shit. It's, 
So that's the, I'm I'm looking forward to more of this. Yeah, and I, I want him to expand upon the the sponge bath he apparently gave Modoc. I I think that's important. I think we have exactly as much information about that sponge <laughs> bath as we require. I disagree. <laughs> Look, however you want to party, this is America. There's gonna be some slash fic out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, let there not be. <laughs> or if there is, let me never find it. But uh. Even, uh, I've never been the biggest fan of Ed McGinnis's art. Um, and part of that is I've never, <laughs> speaking of things that sound terrible, I never liked his heads. He gives terrible head. No, his faces always feel like they, they're almost, uh, manga-ish. Big eyes. Yeah, and, I see what you're saying. You know, kind of almost over-exaggerated. But this is a weird book in that there are almost no faces in it. Yeah, just Peter's assistant. Uh, yeah. And it, it works there. Yeah. I mean, it's Spider-Man's in a full face mask. Deadpool's in a full face mask. Hydro-Man's got a fucked up head anyway. And even <laughs> he has a half face mask for about half of this. Dormanu's head is fire. So the one thing I've always found that is a weakness with McGinnis is completely pulled out of the equation. So, uh, yeah, the art on this I was fine with. There was, you know, some cool, detailed, big scenes. And, and we get to see the Bamfs. Those are fun. I always like the Bamfs. <laughs> the Bamps are fun. The Bamps are one of the cool things from Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. Right. At least that's the first time I remember seeing yeah, them. Yeah, no, I think that's about I've where I've never been the up. biggest X-Men guy, but yeah, and oh my god, the the lines in this book. <laughs> I, I just wrote a couple of them down. Um first of all, again, setting Spider-Man as a straight man, when we flash back to how Spider-Man got into this, the first thing we see is him doing a shitty joke. Yep. About how things smell bad at the sewer. So right out of the gate, Kelly puts Spider-Man from a joke standpoint on his heels to make him the straight man, which is a nice touch to show exactly where the humor is going to come from on this story. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, stuff like my healing factor makes Wolverine look like a hemophiliac. <laughs> um, I will really wet myself with pee. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I love when Dormanu, although it was an actor pretending to be him, <laughs> says to Spider-Man, uh, there was a time when being Spider-Man meant something. Quite frankly, I don't understand why you're slumming with that. <laughs> and that's just a few of them. The book is, uh, yeah, that spoils a few of the gag lines, but this book is just packed with them. Well, I liked when uh, when we it's determined later on that uh, Dormammu is actually being played by an actor and Deadpool shorts him his pay because Spider-Man didn't decide that he wanted to team up. So he felt that, you know, the job wasn't done properly. So you're not getting your full pay. Uh, the guy starts talking about, I played with so, um, you know, Aristotle, I played, not Aristotle, or all these different dead yeah. Greek guys. And yeah, dead Greek guys. Then, uh, yeah, when, uh, where's the page? Oh. Did you hang with Testicles? <laughs> he was a real swinger. I do not know this Testicles method actor. <laughs> uh, I trained at Thebes. <laughs> Yeah, it's this thing is just loaded with the testicles line. But that's a cool thing about Deadpool. I was going to say the testicles line, shit, we said that stuff in eighth grade. Deadpool is probably the perfect level of humor for eighth grader. <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> I was pretty hungover. But. I mean, you've got a whole sound card on there about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But But yeah, it's. <laughs> Deadpool is probably the perfect. It's a. Because of it, it's a shame it's rated R. Yeah. The, the movie coming out is rated R. He's the perfect sense of humor for, yeah, about eighth grade. Yeah. And that's okay, because on some level, I will never be any older than 12. I would imagine that somehow 12-year-olds will find a way to see it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I always did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it's weird. It's 
again, I picked this up to partially thinking, okay, let's see how, you know, Joe Casey, yeah, Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly, sorry, uh, how he does on the, the character that he made his name on. It's like, yeah, this is really cool. I, I want to get more. I, I want to get his back issues. Once again, it's another title of, I want to pick up the back issues just as a movie's about to come out. Yeah. So shit I could have got from the quarter bin 18 months ago now will cost me $10 a fucking issue. Your timing is spectacularly shitty. It proves once again <laughs> that I am grotesquely fucking stupid. <laughs> but yeah, this one was a winner. It's uh, between action and over the top scenarios and characterization and dialogue. I've said this about a million books. It won't make you any smarter. Who cares? Don't yeah. put a smile on your face. This is a fun one. And I enjoyed they they give you a a a whole bonus book, Vision Number One. Now you said Vision's actually up to three. Yeah, uh, I'd heard good things about it. I missed the first couple, um, and honestly, I've not read uh, the first issue in the back of Spider-Man Deadpool. It's Tom King uh, is the writer. Gabriel Hernandez Walta is the artist with Jordi Belair on colors, and it's. You know, what happens if a family of synthetic androids moves in next door? Yeah. It's, uh, like I said, I picked up the third issue this week because I've, I've heard good buzz about it. And I really enjoyed uh, this issue, which is about Vision trying to reclaim one of his daughters from a terrible error. Like I said, I've, I've missed the first couple, so I'm not her sh- sure how she read, got Read this. number one in here. <laughs> okay. But it, it, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It's weird. Tom King's a name that I don't think I ever heard before. C2E2 last year. Yeah. And now he's, he's really put together a run of some decent books. I think from, uh, I think he was one of the, ma- the bigger names in Convergence, mm. um, you know, up until this. So yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to, to catch up and maybe yes. and talk about the fourth issue. Perhaps. Cause yeah, right now we're both talking about different ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in the meantime, pick this up because Spider-Man Deadpool number one in and of itself is, is a worthy, funny read. That's right. It's uh what 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 else could we possibly say about it? For a $10 all you can eat testicle fest. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. It was only 3.99. <laughs> That's true. And considering you get two comics with it, you're actually almost making money. That's right. So, there you go. What else do we want to talk about? Well, one of my anticipated comics uh for this year actually dropped this week. So, I have Swamp Thing number 1. Len Wein, uh, Kelly Jones art. Yeah, it's, this was a, this was a weird experience in that I actually have, thanks to you, uh, with a, a birthday gift from years ago, Swamp Thing one, period, volume one, mm-hmm. uh, one, two, and three. Yep. Cause I've always been a fan of the character. I think most people these days are, yes, yeah, Swamp Thing via Alan Moore, but I got a real soft spot for those first few issues and, and have a character sort of came up it was um, horror comics it, that's that was my take away from the initial not alan moore <laughs> swamp thing it was it was sort of a throwback in some ways to the old sort of ec comics yeah it was it was horror comics in the bronze age as the comics code was loosening up but still had a little bit of tooth to it yeah so it couldn't go hardcore the way that moore did when they finally started pulling the seal off right the comics code seal but it, it tried really hard. And yeah, the combination of Ween's writing, particularly for the time, and Christ, now I'm drawing a blank. Brian Bolland? No. No, that's with more. Jesus Christ. He did the art on the cult. Oh, shit. <laughs> I feel like Bernie Wrightson. There you go. Christ's sake. 
It's, it's, it sucks getting old. It's good getting drunk, but the combination of the two means you forget names. Anywho. <laughs> but yeah, the combination, Bernie Wrightson was, has always been an awesome horror artist. So yeah, the combination of the two gave the book a little extra juice for what was, you know, at the time, yeah, there was Swamp Thing and then there was Man Thing. And at least Man Thing sort of had the winking, you know, a giant sized man thing <laughs> from Steve Gerber going on. Right. But yeah, the combination of the two talents gave Swamp Thing some horror teeth. Yeah. Now, that said, that was 1973-ish, 4-ish, 5-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2016, I think. It is. Okay, it thanks. Is. We're, we're, we're here. We made it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> I'd have felt terrible. Yeah, I know. But uh, I, I found Ween's writing in this, it feels very 1970s. But I liked it. I think it, you and I might have read this differently. It's very possible. It's, I didn't dislike it, but it, it definitely, the writing style felt dated to me in a way that was kind of obvious and a little distracting. Well, see, and here's where I'm going to be curious about where it goes. It's it's inconsistent, but in a weird way. The, the text boxes are very old school, 70s, bronze agey horror comics. Uh, yeah. Ex- the only difference is in the 70s, they would be thought balloons for right. the most part. Yeah. The crisp snap of the graceful heron's wings as they are startled into flight. Blah. Jesus, what's this, a letter to Penthouse? <laughs> Come on! But then when Swamp Thing actually speaks, it's very modern vernacular. I mean, it's not hip-hop or anything, but it's it's not stilted, overly dramatic speech, which is where he would have been in the 70s with that kind of um, overall tone. Yeah, and, and I get what you're saying. I think what was distracting to me a little bit was, yeah, the, the huge amount of internal dialogue that would have been thought balloon stuff back mm-hmm. in the 70s, which comic writing has moved away from that for the most part. So it's a little bit stilted and distracting to me. I almost thought, because, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a good, oh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve panels before finally Swamp Thing actually says anything. Um, and, and the final things are, he's a creature of almost immeasurable power and ability, this so-called Swamp Thing. And heaven help anything that chances to incur his wrath. And then the next line he says is, really? Are you serious? And I, I kind of hoped he was actually responding to all of the text boxes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's not, that's not a thing that occurred to me. But it turns out he's fighting an alligator, but I really hope he was. <laughs> yeah. It's, but the, the other thing that got me, it, it was not just the sort of internal dialogue made external that felt a little dated to me. It really felt like Ween was sort of going back and forth between this is the swamp thing I created and this is the swamp thing that is after Alan Moore and Brian K. Vaughn and Mark Millar and Scott Snyder up to the new 52. Yeah. Uh, which is an honest to God earth elemental who has almost immeasurable power. And we got elements of that in that, oh, he can just sort of appear where he needs to appear but the idea that the Swamp Thing's body being in jeopardy should make us nervous is a very dated concept mm. back to just before Alan Moore took over with Saga the Swamp Thing. Uh, God. But I don't think his body's really in jeopardy because one of the first things they established with the fight with the alligator is that he can knit himself back together. True, but the the climax of this book, and again, spoilers, is that he's... Torn asunder, asunder yeah. and that somehow this I should be asunder. a yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Boston, kid. 
There, I did it. I'm sorry. You found your Boston I found accent. It. But shit. But uh yeah, he, he's torn apart. Um and oh god, this zombie is so strong. Well, who cares about strong? You're fucking swamp thing. Yeah, he, <laughs> he tore you apart. He could set you on fire and piss on the ashes. Grow out of the mold on that tree and punch him again in the nuts. Nut up, little buddy. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, I, I didn't dislike the book. There were just certain anachronisms that, yeah, anachronisms right next to modern things. I'm also sensing an under, undercurrent of, of perhaps modern horror in that the, uh, the zombie he's finding on behalf of, uh, the parents of the zombie doesn't want to go home. So what was going on in the home that, even as a zombie, he wouldn't want to be sent back home. Hepped up on goofballs. Goofballs! <laughs> what horrors were, were in this supposedly quiet, nondescript family's well, home? And that's always been one of the strengths of Swamp Thing, almost right back to the beginning. The, the horrors in the home are greater and yeah. more terrifying than the monstrosity from a movie or a comic. Exactly. Um, so I liked I liked that these things were being woven back in. So again, I, I I get where you're coming from, but to me, it it wasn't enough of a, a jarring sort of discordance <laughs> that I was going, oh, this seems sort of mired in the past. Like, no, I, I, this is my jam. I love these comics. <laughs> it's again, I don't think it was a bad book. I, I think there were elements that made it not as good as it could have be could have been. And like I said, yeah, anachronisms next to modern touches. <laughs> I, I'm too educated in Swamp Thing from back through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s to think that tearing apart strength isn't going to beat up the swamp, isn't going to destroy the Swamp Thing. No, but he also isn't in contact with the Parliament of Trees and the the Phantom Stranger has shown up to say um, Harbinger type things and then fuck off again. So true. <laughs> and I always like seeing Phantom Stranger. Yeah. I liked him better in the eighties. <laughs> what, before Dan DiDio started to write him? Hey, look, Dan tries. <laughs> I still got a soft spot for Dan DiDio. But Even though he killed Justice League International. Well, it's a soft spot. It's not a gooey center. <laughs> wet spot. <laughs> it's not a wet spot. <laughs> soft spot, not a wet spot. That's accurate. <laughs> but but uh but yeah, it's uh the writing was stilted in certain ways where it's just, I found it distracting. I didn't find it bad. I found it distracting and I found it, it pulled me out of the story in a detrimental way. Now, with that said, Kelly Jones's art spot on. The guy should draw Swamp Thing from here until his hand falls off. There are elements in there that really remind me of Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. Uh, facial drawings of Swamp Thing that bring me all the way back to his first appearance that I think I've only seen in reprints. I think an old House of Secrets. Yeah. Uh, when it was Swamp Thing, you know, the first Swamp Thing tale from back in the 1870s or something. I love this cover. I, w I would love to get this cover as a print that he, um, it's just the silhouette of, of Swamp Thing in the Moonlight. Oh, and, and kind of a butt pose. Kind of a butt pose. Well, <laughs> at least it's not the big swing and wang of holy fucks, but... <laughs> oh, no. Well, so very few things can be. It's hard for me to feel bad about that if we actually inspired it. But anyway, back to Swamp Thing. <laughs> but it, no, this, this cover is outstanding. 
the cover's outstanding. The, all the interior art I found outstanding. Yeah. This is Kelly Jones gives good horror, and he gives good Bernie Wrightson-ish horror. So the look for Swamp Thing, I think, was perfect. Yeah. So it's a beautiful book, and if you're an old fan of Swamp Thing, certainly the combination of the writing and the old school, I'm going to fight me a crocodile, and oh no, somebody tore my arm off. <laughs> You know, you'll you'll get that old school feel, but the art will tie it in. Yeah. The again, the only reason I can't wholeheartedly recommend it is, yeah, those anachronistic touches are, are enough to me to to pull me out of the story. Whereas they, more than I would like. Yeah. Whereas they worked for me. They they I I am the audience for that. All right, go on. Give me some give me some cheesy text boxes. All right. <laughs> and that's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. There's uh, Jesus Christ. We're comic fans. If it weren't for nostalgia, we'd have fucked off of this hobby a long time like, ago. I, it's like I know you've got like Mad Max, Fury Road, waiting to like you know be christened upon the home theater system over there. Reading this book makes me want to go find some like cheesy B movies on Netflix with like horror and just sort of like sit down and get drunk. Well, we can go get Swamp Thing starring Adrian Barbo. <laughs> Uh, now that now now my horror boner is gone. Thank yeah. you. Well, <laughs> I, I'm a terrible person. You are. <laughs> Thanks. But but yeah. It's, all right. So a little of a split decision on this. I, I thought it was pretty good. But yeah, I, I suppose if you're wholeheartedly a 1970s horror comic fan, yeah, this, and, this is for me and the other three of you. No, I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> more. It's it's just that there's too much classic Swamp Thing from the 80s forward. For me to be able to fully embrace the anachronistic elements of this you. story. But for, for those of you that may have become disenchanted with Swamp Thing in the New 52 run, although I, I enjoyed the majority of it, uh, this is getting back to basics. Yeah, it, which is fine. But it's it, a, and it's a limited run. This is going to be a six-issue run. Okay. But yeah, it's it, even then, it, yeah, I, I had rough moments with the New 52 Swamp Thing. Charles Sewell had pulled it back into something very interesting with... Mm the machine elemental toward the end of, of his run before it was canceled and brought back. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the other thing. It's a, yeah, that's part of that history. We're going way, way back and it just feels a little, all right, I get what you're doing, but okay, I see your hands moving behind the curtain. Yeah. I, I, I guess see what you're saying. So I'm certainly not giving it a, no, fuck this book and set it on fire and let's pretend it never happened. Where's that? I was like, it, it was pretty good. It's fun. But it, it's a, it's pretty good, but I like it. That's fine. All right. I think that's about it. I think that is. So, uh, first of all, I uh, want to thank Nick Marino and Daniel Arudamasa once again for, for being our guests for the second time. Becoming, I think, our first uh, official Repeat. comic book professional friends of the show. Ooh. As opposed to comedy professional and just friends of the show. <laughs> we got a bunch <laughs> yes. of those. But So, yes. Thank you again, guys. Otherwise... Uh, let's move on. I'm not sure how you found this show, but you can always find us at our home website, which is crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. We're not doing nearly as much with that as we should, but I'm trying to get ramped back up into the social media realm. And you can find us at crisis. Uh, no, <laughs> that would be the Tumblr thing for Facebook. It's facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. Are you drunk? Yes. We are on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunken on Twitter. Uh, our handle, <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> our handle is at Infinite Midlife. Uh, we are on Tumblr, CrisisOnInfiniteMidlives.tumblr.com. Uh, we are on iTunes, and if that happens to be your favorite way of consuming podcast media, do us a favor and shoot us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. You're doing a lot of radio voice. Uh, it's because I'm drunk. Okay, <laughs> um, just checking. 
Make sure it's not a stroke. <laughs> I smell burning toast. Hey, how are you? <laughs> anyway. More cowbell. <laughs> we're, we're also, uh, where the hell are we? In a basement. We're in a basement. <laughs> no, it's a recording studio. Shut we're up. proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. We are also on TuneIn Radio. <laughs> Uh, and you can always email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Did I miss anything? I think you got everything. Okay. Now let me uh, take my radio voice and pour some beer on top of it, <laughs> and let's wrap it up. This has been episode 98. 98. 98. 98. Episode 98 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm sorry. I'm slowly dying inside. <laughs> episode 98. Of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Now somebody could just get me a beer. Dying inside. <laughs>